Welcome to Swish and Flick, an all-Potter podcast. Swish and Flick, everyone. The Swish and Flick. Hello and welcome to episode 252 of Swish and Flick. I'm Megan. And I'm Katie. And this episode is sponsored by Allie McCann. Thank you, Allie. Thanks, Allie. We are also joined by another special guest host. Everyone say hi to Marcus, a.k.a. the grandpa. Welcome. You're supposed to say hi. I'm supposed to say something. (laughs) Hey, hey everybody. It's not in the Google Doc. I didn't know I was supposed to talk here. (laughs) He's he's grandpa. He's Hogwarts IT. He's part of the WizGiz. He loves Captain America. Mm -hmm. You know. Yep. Yep, that's basically Marcus in a a little nutshell, for real. Um, But we're excited to have you on, and this whole episode idea is because of Marcus, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, We're discussing something a little different, wizarding economics. Bust out your textbooks. Welcome to high school, baby. Let's do it. (laughs) But before that... That's the last time I took an economics class, let me tell you. Yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> before we begin, let's go to Meg for the weekly profit. All right. Yo, I'm here. So. You didn't zone out again? No. The, you know, I, I, every week, like when I do the weekly profit, I will just like on Google, there's like a news thing that you can search and I'll search like Harry Potter, Wizarding World. Sometimes I'll like pick some of the actors. They're like, was nothing. So (laughs) we're in a slow news cycle right now, but I wanted to reiterate details for Wizardly Weekend because this will be the episode that comes out the weekend before Wizardly World of Kent. Um, So again, all four of us are going to be there. Uh, We have the entirety of Dan Smith Park in downtown Kent. We are going to be doing two costume contests. The first costume contest is going to be at noon, and that is going to be for kids for 13 and under. Um, Is it 13 or 14 and under? I think it's 13 and under because it's 14 and up for the adult. Okay. At two o'clock, we're going to be doing a live podcast, and our topic of choice, we have decided in uh, response to recent things that have happened in our world is going to be women in the wizarding world we just want to talk about all the ba women um and how cool we are and try to keep it to an hour it's going to be impossible it is going to be impossible but we'll see um and we also are going to tech issues I i hope that there's none but like you know stuff happens we're going to do our best to live stream the episode on YouTube for patrons um, who can't come to Wizardly World of Kent. We have a couple people who are going to be there who are going to like help us out that day. And shout out to Chrissy because I'm going to hand her my phone with YouTube Live. Go in and say, can you please record us for an hour while we talk? <laughs> um but it's going to be July 23rd at two o'clock. Oh, I thought it oops. is when the podcast uh, is. Oh my gosh. The edit, edit, edit. Nowhere. And then the adult costume contest is 14 and up. And that is at four o'clock. So it's basically like every two hours that day, something is going on for us. Um, 
And then also, while we are not doing those three things, we will be at our booth, which is also going to be at Dan Smith Park, um, to hang out with you guys, meet whoever is there. Uh, Danny DeVito, our cardboard cutout is going to be there for picks. We're also going to have some merch for sale. We ordered new t-shirts, new like purple logo t-shirts. I like the purple better on these shirts, so I'm excited. Um, And we're also going to be having just like some random some random stuff that's actually not listed on the website um yet i my goal is to list it on the website one day eventually but you know life so we're gonna have some random merch and then my mom also crocheted headbands um that we're going to sell for donations to katie's um to katie's run fund for her dopey challenge it's the american cancer society um, so like a hundred percent of the proceeds of those items will go to that. And also, um, two things, because when this comes out, you will still be able to purchase tickets for the wobbly wizard bar crawl on Friday night, January, July, January, oh my God, <laughs> July 22nd and the bell tower ball on Saturday evening at seven 30, both of those events are still available to get tickets for. Katie, I, Katie and I, and Sarah will be at both of those. Um, I'm excited for this ball on Saturday because it's at a brewery that I actually have never been to. That is like a new brewery that's in downtown Kent called Bell Tower. And the, like where it is, it's like in an old church or something. So it's like, just looks really pretty, especially like for a Hogwarts ball. So I'm excited. And it's all over me biggie no Phil. Phil? <laughs> sorry <laughs> and all the information for all of those can be found at mainstreetkent.org forward slash events forward slash wizardly dash weekend that's where all the links are to get tickets etc and whatnot so yeah i pulled up bell tower and the hall looks really cool it looks very much like the great hall yeah it yeah does. It looks it's amazing. so pretty it's so cool Make sure to follow us on your preferred podcast listening platform and share this episode with your friends, because if you like us, then they might too. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube at Swish and Flick Podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and TikTok. Wow. Sorry. My brain immediately said the old spiel and forgot to say TikTok. Anyway, you can find us at Swish Flickcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash swish flick cast supporting our podcast keeps us going and it gives you access to our exclusive felix files episodes our discord channel live recordings trivia games swish swag boxes and more update on swish swag boxes everything for the boxes is ordered approved we're just waiting for production to finish and they're going to be shipped to us and um i'm really excited the goal is for all the boxes to get out the last week of july so be on the lookout for our unicorn our Thunderbird and Unicorn patrons. It's a good one. It is. I'm excited. Thank you all so much for your support. Send If you would like to send your Potter story, which we are always accepting, or any questions or concerns, you can do so to our email, which is swishflickcast at gmail.com. Do you know what time it is now? We got to learn all about Grandpa. Marcus, <laughs> tell us all about yourself. We want your whole little brief potter intro the whole spiel yep okay so i am a hufflepuff with um slytherin tendencies 
when I say that I have Slytherin tendencies because I'm petty. I'm petty. I'm petty. <laughs> Are you saying that I'm petty? <laughs> uh, no, I'm saying I am. <laughs> you, can, you can determine what Slytherin tendencies you manifest. Um, I definitely petty. You can determine that yourself. <laughs> um, my wand is cherry. It is 13 and three quarters inches. It is a phoenix feather core. Uh, I've taken the Patronus test multiple times. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell y'all. Like the day the Patronus test came out on, what is it now? It's like Wizarding World. It used to be Pottermore when it first came out on Pottermore. I did it on my wow. phone and I got a calico kitten. And then um, it was Aww. really like laggy that one time that I did it. And then I did it like multiple times since then. and each time since then I've gotten a hound dog like some form of hound which I feel like more truly matches like my personality I feel like that fits me yeah um and then uh my favorite book is Order of the Phoenix um I don't know why it's my favorite book I can't really articulate it um do you just like I want okay so do (laughs) y'all y'all remember may just be because i'm grandpa but like i remember the hiatus when she wrote the fourth book between the fourth book and the fifth book and the painful hiatus i like, got on board years. like in the middle of it so Same. it didn't feel I as got long lucky. for me yeah it was still like <laughs> felt like a long time but not as long as other people waited and i feel like it was like you had been in a desert for a while and here was a glass <laughs> of water and so like <laughs> i guess it's like order of the phoenix yeah but also, like, part of the reason I love Order of the Phoenix is that, like, battle scene at the end of Order of the Phoenix between so Dumbledore good. and Snape. And you realize how B.A. Dumbledore is. It's Wait, awesome. you mean Dumbledore and Voldemort? Yeah. You said Snape. Uh, <laughs> Lord, that's terrible. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> um, Welcome. You are now part of the, the government corruption right? order. <laughs> I'm going to, like, say the wrong name multiple times. Uh, I agree. And then for sure. My favorite movie was um uh prisoner and i think like the same thing happened there there was like a gap between chamber and prisoner and by the time you got to prisoner the like like the whole trio had like aged up and like they had really come into their own as far as acting like um emma just like she was an actress in that movie like she was no longer a child actor delivering lines like she was an actress at that point and i feel the same was true for um Rupert and for Daniel so um I just I love that movie and then my favorite character is Dumbledore because he's BA I didn't know that about you (laughs) (laughs) I do love Dumbledore um every time Tiff is like arguing her side for Dumbledore I'm like get him Tiff get him (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then uh I got into Harry Potter because I was working at the library in college I I actually worked in the library system during college and it's literally been the favorite job my most favorite job that I've ever had and um when you're working in the library system you see what books are like hot like because they're like people are coming in requesting them constantly and they're like on back order and all this kind of stuff and uh so I was like you know this Harry Potter stuff is really popular I should probably like you know see if I like it or whatever and so I actually started listening to them on cassette tape on my commute yes (laughs) On my commute to uh, when I was in junior college, um, I had about a 45 minute commute to junior college. And so like 
I listened to Jim Dale read Harry Potter to me and it was amazing. That's awesome. I, I love the, those audiobooks hold probably the most special place in my heart when it comes to Harry Potter. Like my favorite, my favorite thing for Harry Potter is the audiobooks. I could listen right? to the Harry Potter audiobooks over and over and over. Jim Dale specifically and never right? get Jim- sick of them. Jim Dale doing the voices is like, oh, yeah. I had two friends that went to New York for something and they were like, oh, we went to a pub tonight and we got to like see Jim Dale. And I was like, starstruck. I was like, oh I'm gosh, so jealous so cool. that you like met Jim Dale. That's amazing. Like, right. That so cool. Um, but yeah, so that's my spiel. Um, oh, and I have a song to introduce our topic for today. I'm really curious. Um, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> All right. I'm going to. You know, I'm doing this. Um, what is it called when you do it without backup music? Acapella. I'm doing this yeah. acapella, so bear with me. <laughs> I hope y'all recognize this. Um, my galleons don't rattle, rattle. They're gold. I'd like to see you muggle, muggle for sure. It makes me want to expelliarmus. You know, flying in my anglier. You really shouldn't see it. Six Weasleys in a compact, no slack. But luckily, the seats go back. Arthur's got a knack to relax in his shed. Sipping some mold, mold wine. <laughs> oh my god! Applause, applause. <laughs> awesome. Can I make that a TikTok sound on Swish's account? <laughs> Go for it. Yes. For oh it. my god. That, oh my god. That was amazing. How long did that take? Did it just like roll? Or did you really um, think about it? was it? one of those things that it was just like, it popped in my head and I was like, I have to make this happen. And I was literally mm-hmm. like looking up words that would work. So I love that. That's amazing. That's like what I do when I sing to Phil. Oh yeah. I make up songs to him, to other songs. My favorite one lately is, um, Hey, Philly. Oh, Philly, Philly. You are my puppy love. He's looking at you. And I love you so much. So great. I have so many. That's one of my He's so happy right now. He's like, yeah, sing to me, mom. Yeah. You like when I sing to you. My God, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that was a wonderful way to start this episode. I, that was amazing. Thank you. And it it now lives forever in audio history. Maybe just for you, we'll put it on a cassette and send it your way. (laughs) For grandpa. Right. I love cassettes. Cassettes are pretty sweet. I bought Taylor Swift's albums on cassette whenever she had them on her web store. Why? And then I went on Amazon and bought a cassette player. I still haven't listened to them. But like I bought a Walkman. I was was obsessed with high speed dubbing. I used to make mixtapes back in the day. I was that person. That's awesome. My cousin always did. I was obsessed with the song um, Sgt. Peppers by the Beatles. And I made my cousin make me a tape of that song repeated over and over and over for as long as the cassette would let you do it. And it was back when you had to like be quiet because it was literally just recording the sound. <laughs> so like there was one point in it where like my great aunt had come in the door and we were like, no. 
my god that's amazing man oh that brings back memories that that cassette tape that you just sent looks so 90s memorex like that is right. just straight up 90s you could get a um, whole pack of those yeah core memory unlocked because yep. i did the high-speed dubbing which didn't require like you'd actually record the audio live but i've also done what you were talking about where you actually recorded the audio live and if somebody yeah. came in and spoke it was like on that track forever yeah and you're like dang it so yeah my tape just had my great aunt's the creaky door opening and we're like no <laughs> get out you're ruining the tape oh, oh my gosh okay Am I starting this episode off? Yeah. Weird. Okay. Well, it's a doozy right off the bat. Um, so we're going to be talking about wizarding economics. I didn't do well in this class in school, but this is wizarding. So I think maybe I would do better. We'll Heck see. Yeah. Anything related to Harry Potter, I do better on than in real time life. So let's be honest. Yeah. I put more effort into these notes than I ever did on any homework assignment. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so let's see. Um, so I'm gonna start talking sort of about like the wizard definition of poor versus the muggle definition of poor. Basically, like, why are there even poor wizards? Because that seems to be an argument point around the internet, and people on the internet delivered real answers. Like, these people <laughs> have to have some sort of degree in economics or something because. This one person wrote, like, it could have been an essay. It was pretty amazing, and I learned things. Um, so my first, like, points and everything come from Stack Exchange. hey Um, This person asked, like, why don't the Weasleys or other poor um, wizarding folk, why don't they just, like, conjure up a bunch of diamonds or gold or et cetera and sell it to muggles and get rich? Like, how can wizard society still possibly have poor people? Um, we do know that there's like laws, like we know that there's the food law, but like we only know that one. So there's not, we don't, aren't aware of whether or not there's other laws, but after we get through all this, we can assume that there is. Um, so basically there's two types of monetary wealth in Harry Potter. There's muggle money and there's wizard money. Muggle money is used to purchase goods and services from muggles. Wizarding money is used to purchase goods and services from wizarding society for the most part there's very little that members of the wizarding world want or need from the muggle world so this person that i'm like, reading what from, about groceries i'll get there okay <laughs> <laughs> i was like right. they probably like a lot of them probably go into like a muggle grocery store mm -hmm. oh, i'll get there Arthur doesn't know anything about muggle money though so like what do they do i'm just so it's so interesting i know there's there's uh plot holes for sure um so this person says even like say there is a witcher wizard who does want something from the muggle world and they decided we're going to conjure up a bunch of gold a bunch of jewels and like somehow they they would have to find a way to convert that into muggle currency and then trying to sell a small fortune of some sort of valuable merchandise one is not quick two is not easy and you'd have to attempt to do it like legally which is just probably not possible so like in short shop. huh go to a pawn shop maybe the, i'm sure there are wizarding pawn shops kind of Borgen like, burks is kind of a one. pawn shop almost yeah. yeah he does buy things yeah i don't know if he would ever sell them back to you but i'm just picturing what was that what was that show called the pawn shop show 
um pawn stars uh, pawn stars i had to say that carefully because that almost sounded like a different word (laughs) to me (laughs) um but basically in short it's no there is no doubt hold on it is no doubt possible for a wizard to get very rich in muggle currency but that doesn't mean that it's easy or convenient or useful to do um for wizarding money it's almost certain that you can't like summon that or duplicate it and the whole point here's where we get like real textbook and I got excited because I learned things the whole point of currency is to act as this thing that you exchange for goods and services it has a value it's worth exchanging for those goods and services of a similar value so for that to work everyone has to agree that this is the value and we have to keep that value stable so we can we have to assume that there are checks and balances though I mean, I thought we had checks and balances. Whatever. Um, we this have to assume that. Though. Yeah. They yeah. live in medieval times, but also current times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we can assume there are checks and balances to make sure that there aren't, there isn't magical forgery, or at least that it's difficult. I don't think it's impossible, but difficult. And then anyone who is caught would obviously be disciplined because you can't just be printing your own money. I love this. Brandon just said this. Just reminds me of the fact that money isn't real, right? And then Lily said, right, like, right, like paper money is just paper, but we assign it a value. I mean, people used to like exchange rocks when we were like cave people, you know, like it's, right? like, it's fake. Look at this beautiful rock. Please give me a zucchini. Right. You have you have mammoth fur, and I want it. I'll trade you this rock. Okay. But like now yeah. we have stupid paper that. Why did I say zucchini? I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was going me, into the gathering. Like, <laughs> zucchini, <laughs> a zucchini. Oh, we see man. who we see who has the hunter roll and who has the gatherer roll. Yeah, we yeah. we know that those cave people were definitely eating all the zucchinis for sure. Um. Anyway. I like zucchini. So do I. <laughs> so do I. Phil uh, likes zucchini. <laughs> Phil, do you like zucchini? Yeah, he does. Um, also, if you're conjuring gold or transmuting glass into diamonds, or you're doing some or some other sort of conjuring wealth, if that was possible, then those materials wouldn't be valuable to wizards because why would one wizard buy? or trade for diamonds that another wizard con- conjured when they could just do it themselves. So it kind of just like negates it. So there's not really any point to trying to get rich that way because then everybody could get that rich that way and then nobody be rich. It'd just be the same. Unless you don't do it legally. Or unless you don't do it legally. <laughs> <laughs> but then you'll go to Azkaban. True. Um, okay, so this next article is from good old Cora. So you're saying, Cora, quickly, I'm sorry. Okay. So you're saying basically like the reason why it works is because as a society, as a society, we, we have accepted that value. as, yeah, we have accepted that as it. So that's what it is. So well, if wizards there's just conjure, they would throw off the whole system. Well, and also there's like two references in the series where, so like uh, the first one is the Sorcerer's Stone. So we know one of the things that makes the Sorcerer's Stone valuable 
is the fact that you can use it to create gold. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that that's kind of considered a rare thing. Like yeah. the Sorcerer's Stone is kind of unique in that. And then the that's other true. instance where there's counterfeit gold is when we're at the... Um, oh, the World Cup. World Cup. Yeah, yeah. And the leprechauns create the leprechaun gold. And then you find out that leprechaun gold disappears. So, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so those are the only two instances where you see, like, or you hear about magic being used to make gold specifically. I don't know about, like, other precious objects, but yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like, I wonder if she does have something in her head regarding, like, rules to this. It's just never, there's just never been an opportunity or an instance for her to, like, explain it. You know, this would be, this would be, like, prime information for like an encyclopedia of some sort like authors don't want to give explicit information on stuff like that because then they back themselves into a corner yeah oh no very true this (laughs) yeah especially and I almost (laughs) sometimes I think about how like you know like we're so nitpicky with these books like she never thought people were gonna do what we do (laughs) to, to these books you know it's just weird right um okay so this this article from Cora this person like uh, we could have just read what they said and made that into an episode like I didn't even pull everything from it so knowledgeable and like it made sense like please explain something to me like I'm a kindergartner got it uh so basically they're saying not everything can be conjured kind of like went over that also we see all these shops in Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade at least like those are the ones we're exposed to through Harry they're all selling different items they all seem to have been there for a long time like a really long time yeah if a business can't make good profit margins they're not going to be around that long so there must be some sort of restrictions on conjuring or transfiguring an item to be sold there's got to be like patents and whatnot for example all these different brooms there's the firebolt there's a clean sweep there's a nimbus they all there's a bunch of different manufacturers and they all push these different charm benefits as part of their marketing their charms are unique so there's got to be some sort of patent even on magic but like imagine how much money a place can make in the wizarding world because like okay yes you created this firebolt but like to make more you just duplicate it so that was actually something I was kind of curious about because we know the Gemino curse exists because that's what yeah. Hermione uses to like duplicate the locket. But you always are of the impression that like the duplicate is inferior. Like it doesn't carry forward the magical properties okay. because like, yeah, that's true. There was a duplicate of Gryffindor sword somewhere. I forget. Was it in the vault? Was there a duplicate in the vault? Yes. And, but it didn't have the magical properties that Gryffindor sword actually has. So, so maybe, wonder, yes, you can easily make a duplicate, but it's not going to yeah. carry over the magical like properties. I so like maybe that. like yeah. they can duplicate, duplicate like the wood, like the, the source materials, right. but right. then the they have materials. to implant in. Oh my God. I cannot talk today, but then they have to uh, like put all of the magical properties into it. And that is what right really like each, raises exactly. the value of it each firebolt does have yeah. a hand stamp serial number hand stamp serial <laughs> number it does it does what number is harry's seven probably oh wow his is seven 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 anyway it's interesting because yeah. like you think so much of like overhead costs for 
businesses in the quote muggle world, like <laughs> technically they have to buy one piece of wood and then they duplicate it one stick and they duplicate it for like the bottom of the firebolt. You know what I mean? And then like, but like for a muggle company, that is so much cost that wizards don't have. True. So it's almost like comparing and like, this is a whole bigger picture of, of this whole topic, but like that almost means potentially that like wizarding world salaries are even though they may match some muggle salaries in terms of what they do, they're much richer in the wizarding world because they have a lot less costs. I so like talk a little bit about that. Do you? Sort of. No, but go on. It's okay. different than what you're so saying. So like, you know, and I talk about like some comparisons of um like real world salaries to salaries in the wizarding world and I just like converted like how much they make in wizarding society to like galleons and stuff but like thinking you know an estimate of how much a barman or a barmaid makes is like 25,000 pounds this was again just on Glassdoor I know that there's like massive ranges I just kind of went in the middle um so like 25,000 in real time life is on the lower end of a yearly salary but for somebody like Rose Murda who can use magic to like help boost up her garden I mean yes she has to implement the initial costs of planting the garden but like she can use magic to like keep it going and keep things flourishing to like get more food for herself so she has less costs for food or like um transportation you know she doesn't have to pay for gas she doesn't have to pay for a car she doesn't have to I mean like okay she could pay for a broom which is expensive but like she also if she's skilled enough can apparate I know I'm going literally all over the place because like this stuff is all in here for us to get to eventually but it just like (laughs) it just thinks like it just makes me think about how like yes Rosmerta makes the same potentially amount as like um you know, uh, like a bartender in London, but the bartender in London makes the same amount and has so many more costs than Rosemurda on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's so true. It's so true. (laughs) Magic is everything. (laughs) It's a huge equalizer. Yeah. So it's almost like, it's almost just like, I think that 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 could potentially be a conversation for like why the Weasley family and we talked about this a little bit with Becky on Molly's um, Felix files but like how Arthur has a government job and I'm assuming as a government worker he probably makes a decent amount I mean he has to make a decent amount obviously not as much as like Lucius or something like that but he makes enough to get by for a huge family and for them to have little splurges and still like go on trips every once in a while. Um, and again, like, you know, average salary of like a government worker is probably on like, I looked it up and it estimated, I kind of compared him to like, I just looked up government worker in the UK and it said like estimate about 40,000 pounds. So like pretty good like an app like an average type salary but like with that amount of kids that would really be stretching it but they seem to be okay 
So like, he probably is okay because of the fact that they have magic and Molly is skilled with her garden and all of that kind of stuff. So like, I mean, food for a family that large would be so much money every single week for a family in the muggle world thinking about like, you know, even just how much Katie and I spend on groceries, adding that up for like a whole year and then take that out of your salary. Like that's a ton. Yeah. And they don't, they probably don't really, I mean, they might need some things every now and then, you know, like you see on their table, Cheerios, right? Cheerios or something. (laughs) So like they probably go and buy some of that stuff, but like, I don't know. It's just interesting. This person that I'm about to read has a different take than what you just said, but I see, I see both signs. I'm surprised. I see both sides. <laughs> is that a bingo slot? That should be, that should should, be a bingo right. Slot. I think I see, it is. I see both sides. <laughs> um, all right. So what Meg just said, this person has a different take. We're moving on. To They're her. wrong. I mean, they could be. I'm kidding. We're moving on to. <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> um, wages. So I just pulled directly from this article they wrote. So I'm just going to read a little bit from there. They say, we know from example of the Malfoy's lifestyle and the Potter Vault that industries such as potion making generate high levels of income. We know from the minuscule savings the Weasley family consistently reveals that working for the ministry is quite low. We know from the canon that most people seem to work for the ministry. Aside from the Malfoys, we see no family that is wealthy. Harry has wealth, but is restricted so much by his relatives as by the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy and the ex- exchange rate offered by Gringotts and what he can do with his money. The Lovegood family, the Weasley family, and the Diggory family are the only ones we're exposed to. None of these demonstrate even an upper-middle-class lifestyle. Observer bias aside, the families are consistent in the economic traits they demonstrate. This tells me that most people's disposable income is low. Therefore, items for sale cannot be expensive because most people cannot buy expensive items. See, I don't know about that, though, because, like how much do we see the Diggory family? We see them hang out with the Weasleys. I mean, like, that's not really a fair comparison. And again, like the Weasleys are living off of one salary for at, in at Sorcerer Stone, you've, you're sitting at seven people, seven people in the house on one salary. So like, yeah, of course their disposable income is going to be lower. Arthur's the only one who works. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yes, I know. Molly works as a stay-at-home mom, but like he's the only one that gets the gets the paycheck. Income, income. So like it makes sense that their disposable income is low. However, again, the Weasleys do have some disposable income. It's yeah. just not really highlighted all the time. They take a trip to Egypt before they win that money. So like they like Arthur and Molly already went to Egypt to visit Bill once. Then they took the family. That was, they took the family with that extra money, Mm -hmm. but they were able to go themselves. They go to Romania to visit Charlie over Christmas and they're able to buy Percy and Owl when he becomes prefect. They're able to buy Ron, a, Ron broom. a broom, which let me tell you, based on some of the things I was looking up for how much brooms cost, that was way more than what Percy got for becoming prefect. Yes, Marcus. 
Okay, so the reason why Arthur was able to afford a bunch of that stuff was because he ran, won the um, Grand Prize Galleon draw. It was in the Daily Prophet. Did he win like a thousand galleons? He did, and that was what they used to take the family to Egypt. Right, but, but did, they, I think they also before, used that to like replace Ron's wand and do some other stuff. Yeah, they yeah, did yeah. replace Juan's yes. wand. Yeah. Ron's wand. Ron's wand. But, <laughs> but, but they didn't use that money to buy him a broom. And like, obviously, I know the broom right. that he got isn't going to cost anywhere near as much as a firebolt, but it's still going to be a lot. And then like, before they won that, they went to Egypt and they went to Romania. Um, so like, they do have some disposable income, basically, is just what I'm getting at. So like... But, um... So when they talk about the, because he said he was staying at Hogwarts because they were traveling to visit Charlie, I kind of yeah. got the impression that it was just the parents traveling and both yeah. the parents can apparate. So maybe it's less expensive because the parents can apparate, which I don't know how far you can apparate. That's a whole nother conversation. I do know that there's limitations and I do have right. some talking points on that, but like they could have also potentially like paid for a port key, which, right. you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I mean, yeah, they're still going someplace where, you know, they're probably going to have to like go out to eat a couple times. They're probably going to want to like, I mean, you know, like when my mom comes down to visit me, she wants to buy me groceries. She wants to like, you know, like do like do do what she can for me, like while she's here. Like, I'm sure that I'm sure that Molly and Arthur wanted to do that for Charlie and for Bill, like whenever they went to go visit him as much as they could, at least. So like. I don't know. I just, I think that, I think that the Weasleys, yes, are quote poor, but like they truly do get by like, okay. The fact that they're yeah, able to buy Ron a broom, honestly, is astounding. It's, it's poor by wizarding standards, but rich by muggle standards. Yeah. They're not rich, at least upper middle class. I mean, yeah. like their basic needs are met. And like, you know, their basic needs, they have no fear of yeah. those being an issue. And like, imagine how much they had to drop for the Lockhart books and they made it work on top of getting right. Ginny everything she needed for first year, which yes, she had to get something secondhand, but it was still a lot of stuff that she had to get. So they were able to get all of that, plus all of the Lockhart books for all the kids that needed them. Like it was a stretch, but assume... they did it. I assume that the books in the Wizarding World have some kind of like um, copyright prevention charms (laughs) (laughs) so that you can't just like duplicate a copy because otherwise, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, like it would just be infinitely available and like kids wouldn't have to buy books for school. I guarantee you there's like charms or school. Yeah. Yeah. Like charms on them that prevent duplication. Otherwise, like how would an author make any money in that world, you know? right exactly but like the twins could have shared a set right they're in all the same classes together <laughs> <laughs> right so i don't think yeah. the professors wanted them to sit next to each other true true <laughs> but they get but they get by yeah and they make it work yeah um let's see and that like percy still needed those too so again that was seven kids that needed sets of lockhart books that's insane yeah I'm trying to think like when bill was still in school how many of the other kids were there too like you know like how old is bill 
I would think that it was Bill, Charlie, Percy, and the twins, maybe. Maybe not the twins. Maybe it was just the three of them. But like still, like you, you're almost always having a lot of kids in school for a it long was three, time. You and know? then it and then it was four and then jumped <laughs> to five. Yeah. <sighs> so many kids. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this person also speculates another reason that most people would be poor in the wizarding world. There's something in my throat, sorry, is because there's no mention of like magical farms. So witches and wizards would need this was Meg was saying before. If that's true, then witches and wizards would have a need to have some sort of muggle currency for their daily needs. Um, also, Gringotts is the only place we know of that has any kind of currency exchange. Um, it's kind of like a monopoly, isn't it? The heck. Yeah, I guess. And they they are assuming <laughs> that like they like any bank would offer a rate that favors them. So that means that you lose on your transaction. Um, and then that that further erodes your purchasing power with your wizard kind wage. Um, buying items the wizarding world cannot supply for itself will quickly erode anyone's earnings. They say. And then, but this though is kind of, they kind of disprove themselves and they say that like this explanation totally ignores like if they needed to have muggle currency and interact with muggles and like, why are they so ignorant of muggle things? That probably wouldn't be Something's a thing. Something's not adding up here. That, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the point Meg made earlier about like, if they go to a muggle grocery store to get the stuff that they don't grow themselves, like they're having to use muggle money to do this so like mm-hmm. they are interacting with muggles in those cases but yeah maybe they just eschew muggles so much that they're just like you know what we're just going to use magic and we're going to grow our own food <laughs> right i mean well, that's like, what it is and like if you think about how and again I, I i think this was just a movieism but like still i mean she signed off on everything so like i think that some of the stuff has to be canon still like they had cheery owls which was very specifically a wizarding world cereal so like do they have some sort of grocery store that like it's just not talked about probably because like that's not something harry's gonna care about he's he's a kid who just like goes to the burrow and sits down and eats you know so like that's not something that's ever gonna be taught to us in these books until um you know like until possibly he had been older but that does feel a little weird because like the one thing that you see harry suffer at the hands of the dursleys is food scarcity like he suffers that a lot because they withhold food from him as like a punishment so like a wizarding a wizarding grocery store would have been like harry would have gone nuts I would love to go into a wizarding grocery store I want to go to that now like (laughs) I want to put that at universal I'll buy I'll buy some produce. What kind of weird produce you guys got? Never know. Is that where you get like dragon plums. steaks? Yeah, dirigible plums. Dirigible plums. The floating plums. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and yeah, and, and then like but, you see Hagrid has Harry... dragon steaks and stuff. So like there's gotta be some place that they can go to. Yeah. yeah. But would they allow Harry to like buy some digital plums and take them back to a muggle household? I don't know that they would. <laughs> I don't know. Right, like one like escapes and starts floating that would, out the window. What if he like that, feeds one? To... That would definitely <laughs> break the statute of secrecy. <laughs> True. There's like a sign at the end of the market: "No food beyond this point." If you eat it all there, <laughs> you have to apparate at home. Or <laughs> well, that's all I got right there, though, for my section just now. 
We've got more sections coming. I said for right now. I actually kind of think this episode is going to be like a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, which is awesome though. So, um, okay. So travel, there are like so many different modes of travel in the wizarding world. And like, I feel like the price range on some of these is it goes all the way from apparition, which is no cost to you. However, can be dangerous. You have to be very, you have to be skilled to do it. Ah, uh, the cost of free, right? Splint yourself. Don't pay anything in transportation. But honestly, yeah, exactly. So it's like apparition is free, but there's a risk that goes along with it. You've got flu powder, which clearly flu powder powder. we know Molly has to, Molly mentions to Arthur that they have to replenish it. So like there's a cost associated with flu powder. Also something. Flu power I, powder, flu power powder. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who asked this in the chat, but somebody said, Do you think that maybe there's like a cost associated with keeping your fireplace registered Mm. and like open? That could be interesting. I like that. Yeah. I like that because, you know, if you live in the UK, they have the, um, was that the ITV license? And if you try and use ITV, it tells you it pops up and it says, did you pay for your license for your ITV? You're not supposed to be watching it if you didn't. So I kind of feel like that's a very British thing. Like people would pay for their like flu, flu. Network and also maybe some people don't want to be connected. So that's like a way to be like, I don't want to be on the flu powder I'm network. Saving, I mean, who was it? Um, the Gaunts, you know, they didn't have a, oh, for sure. a flu network connection. They didn't want people talking to them. Is there like a flu network, like phone book, like a flu book? <laughs> Flip through it. What would the wizard version of the yellow pages be? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like the purple See, pages. Grandpa. Grandpa bringing up the real yellow pages. <laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about like the potential limitations with apparition as well. So like, yes, it is the no cost option. However, there is an age limit. You can only side along, I believe, with one person. So like, again, there's a limitation there, especially for like the Weasleys, like they can't necessarily operate everywhere they need to go to because they have so many kids who are underage who don't know how to do it. Um, and it would, I mean, I guess they could, you know, like have one of them be where they need to go and like, just keep going back and forth. But I would assume that that's not comfortable. Um, so it's probably easier for them to just do flu powder. So apparition does have a range limit and it becomes increasingly difficult with the distance to be traveled. Um, it was advised that intercontinental apparition should only be attempted by the most highly skilled of wizards. Or witches. Why isn't witches on there? Excuse me. Um, Otherwise risking splinching, severe injury, and death. So again, like there's risk that goes along with apparition. It also requires a familiarity with the terrain of the place that the wizard or witch wants to visit as they are needed to be able to visualize it clearly. Yes, Katie. I'm thinking that like apparition for a lot of witches and wizards might be like how some people refuse to fly or some people refuse yes. to drive on the highway. Yeah. It's but like worse be because scary. <laughs> I don't know. Apparition I, just seems really scary. I agree with that. Cause Arthur makes a comment. He's like, some wizards just don't bother with it. Like he yeah. says that. So yeah. Cause I mean like, and Harry describes it like the first time he does it, like it's a pretty gnarly feeling when he operates yeah. for the first time, you, like getting squeezed through a tube. And I'm like, gnarly. <laughs> maybe you get motion sick and that's not for you. True. He's, and he says that he would prefer flying any day. 
over apparition, right. even though it takes longer. And that's hairy. That kill do anything, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, he's fearless. Um, <laughs> so on the wiki, there is also a flu network. Um, there is a flu network um, page and they have a little section on regulation and usage. So I wanted to see where they cited this information but it doesn't look jacob sibling dude don't even get me started i think that there was a pottermore article um so it says the british network was governed by the flu network authority a section of the department of magical transportation of the ministry of magic the fna the fna (laughs) this department was located on level six of the ministry um the flu network authority controlled which fireplaces were connected to the flu network which required specialized magic traveling by way of the flu network could be done without specialized magic and could be preferable for wizards too young to operate or those without access to other forms of transportation such as broomsticks um nearly every wizarding home had a fireplace that was connected to the flu network While a fireplace could be disconnected by the use of a simple spell, connection required the approval of the Ministry of Magic, which regulated the flu network and prevented muggle fireplaces becoming inadvertently joined up, although temporary connections could be arranged in emergencies, like we saw the Dursleys um, get connected for Arthur to come and get him for, that was Goblet of Fire, right? Yeah. Um, in yeah. addition, Oops, that was got a lot of fire. <laughs> in addition to domestic fireplaces, there are around a thousand fireplaces across Britain connected to the flu network, including those at the Ministry of Magic and various wizarding shops and inns. The fireplaces of Hogwarts were not generally connected, although there were some occasions when one or more had been tampered with, often without the staff's knowledge. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> um, in America, the flu network was regulated by the by Makuza. And appeared to be divided into regions, according to the New York Ghost, because there was a southern flu network. So it was like regionally divided up for regulation. The South always wants their own way, don't they? <laughs> hey, that rhymes. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. So now that does kind of make me question, like, is there a cost or can you just decide, no, I don't want to be connected? Is there some sort of like tax situation that like this is just a part of what you get from the government with taxes do the wizard do the wizarding families pay taxes i would assume that i would assume that they have to a little bit maybe i mean how does the ministry of magic function if they don't like take in some taxes um yeah but yeah that was something that like it's never really mentioned in the book how taxes get collected i'm assuming that like when you purchase things that there's some kind of sales tax yeah um you know the uk has fat tax which is slightly more complex than sales tax i don't mm-hmm. really comprehend how that works because there's a little bit more involved to it but um i would assume that there's some kind of sales tax so like if you go buy some dirigible plums at the wizarding grocery store you're gonna pay seven percent definitely top 7%. Of your... yeah <laughs> yeah probably also well, where's this from here there is a there is a flu powder writing on Wizarding World. So the author says flu came from the flu that you find on a chimney. 
And don't ask me to tell you exactly what a flu is because I don't know. I just know it exists, but I'm not sure what it does exactly. I needed a way for particularly young witches and wizards to travel around because I'd created the international statute of secrecy, which was inconvenient. So immediately that made it quite difficult for them to move around, particularly over long distances by magical means, meaning like it would be easy to spot a family of seven flying through the sky on broomsticks across london the fan bus yo right. the fan bus um well and there so was that she, whole conversation with uh what was it bashir was trying to hunt down arthur weasley because they were trying to get him to say that it was okay for them to sell um magic carpets for families yeah yeah, yeah. that's right and there is an ad for fan bus broom at the wizarding world of harry potter in orlando yep in diagon alley um so another mode of transportation that we know of is the port key and i do know that like these need to be set up through the ministry so i am assuming that there's a cost associated with a port key um however it's a way i would say that a port key has to be it has to be a more cost effective way because you can have as many people as can touch that object travel at once. You know what I'm saying? Whereas flu powder, every person has to take a handful. Yeah. So I wonder, yeah. I just need that was how, the very tip of your pinky that, on this object. Yeah. But I guess making a like, port key could be more inconvenient than using a fireplace. Cause that's easy. It's just in your home and you're like, okay, I'm going to take a handful and go. Whereas this is like more setup is required, which is like why they do it for, the um for the oh my god I'm blanking the Quidditch World Cup because like they have a whole group that's going and they set up a time and like have that yeah so people have to have a schedule they have to have the object they have to have already turned it into a port key they have to operate to a location drop it off make sure the wizards that are coming know the location it's going to be yeah there's yeah, like a lot that's of, a lot of that's, that's a lot of setup it. yeah 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 um so, yeah, I mean, like, we don't necessarily know, like, a, what the cost associated could be, but, like, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that there is some sort of cost associated with getting them set up through the ministry, because there are unauthorized port keys as well. It says that Remus Lupin, according to Remus Lupin, the creation of unauthorized port keys would incur some sort of punishment, and Cornelius Fudge was furious when Dumbledore created one in front of him without permission. <laughs> That was so my that favorite has part. To be regulated, yeah. <laughs> you can't just do things like that in front of the minister. <laughs> uh, Why I'm not? Dumbledore. I can. <laughs> of course, he can. Yeah. Um, we also have brooms, but as we know, like brooms are expensive. So for like a family, again, to have something like that, that would be very costly. We do know again that the Weasleys have. I mean, they're older brooms, but like they have brooms for like a lot of the kids to like practice play Quidditch and stuff in the backyard. So yeah, because like I'm assuming a broom is more expensive than like a bike, which is something that a Muggle kid <laughs> would have. But like right. witches and wizards get brooms. True. You know, I mean, thinking of the fireball is what like estimated to be like maybe 800 galleons or something. That's insane. <sighs> And if you remember, Sirius got Harry, like, uh, I guess what would be the tricycle version of a broom? Because he was flying around on it. Yeah. And like, yes, he crashed into something. I forget. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, like, two other options that we have, like the night bus, we know that that does have a cost because Stan charges and there's different options for amenities, depending on what you want for the night bus. 
Um, and then the Hogwarts Express, which is no cost, but only takes you to Hogwarts if you're a student or a teacher, aka Remus Lupin takes it. But yeah. Yeah, that's weird. The night bus has a charge, but then Hogwarts is the Hogwarts Express is free, which is weird because then witches and wizards still all have to operate or travel somehow to get to the location for them to take the train yeah Yeah. and like what if you what if you live in scotland you have to get down to platform nine and three quarters to go up to scotland yeah what if you live in hogsmeade what if you live in hogsmeade you could literally walk down the street to hogwarts but no you you can yeah like is there exceptions (laughs) hmm yeah interesting. anyway i just want to say i would travel everywhere if i could apparate let me tell you even if I was there just was a chance say, of flinching if i was the kid and i lived in hogsmeade and you were like well you can just walk down to the gates and they'll let you in <laughs> my parents told me that instead of like having to take me to be on the train i'd be like no <laughs> like, i want to ride the train with my friends right exactly when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I totally agree. (laughs) All right, talk to me about Gamp's law. Gampa. Snap, this is my part. Okay. Okay, so um all right, so I'm just gonna say what we know about Gamp's Law, and it's the quote that Hermione gives when she's talking about um Ron's what basically happened is that Ron is hangry and Hermione is like laying down the law quite literally so she says uh your mother can't just produce food out of thin air no one can food is the first of the five principal exceptions to Gamp's law of elemental transfiguration it's impossible to make good food out of nothing you can summon it if you know where it is you can transform it you can increase the quantity of it if you've already got some so that's like the first well, that's right. a big thing. Right? I so didn't realize box, that. Yeah. So if you have a box of Cheerios, you can theoretically cheery owls. infinitely increase. Yes. Cheerio owls. Excuse Wait, me. Yes. Thank you. you I have a question. Infinitely. <laughs> Go for it. a question. Okay. That's great. Because like, say you buy a loaf of bread, sweet. Like we got bread forever. But, well, for bread too, say there is a perishable item. Does if you duplicate right. that item, does it all have the same expiration date? Oh, interesting. See, or... I would say yes. So if you have a loaf of fresh bread, you can increase that. But if you have a loaf of moldy bread, you don't want to increase right. the right. Right. And it's not like you could even be like, well, I'm gonna wait till I get down to the last duplicate bread and then duplicate well, more because imagine. then that one would be older. Right. So yeah, you would yeah. eventually have to buy like fresh well, food and duplicate. Okay, you know what I'm day. gonna do? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to duplicate frozen loaves of bread. (laughs) Oh, oh. Okay, so think about it from the Weasley's perspective. Like, theoretically, Molly could make one corned beef sandwich Mm -hmm. and say, Gemino, Gemino, Gemino. And then she's got, like, you know, however many she needs to feed the family. 
That's so is amazing. She really is she making seven sandwiches or is she making one sandwich and then just duplicating it? That's According for sure. to Ron in Sorcerer's Stone, she's making seven because his is sloppily put together and she forgets that he doesn't <laughs> like corned beef. Yeah. Or roast beef. Right. Because, and if she's just duplicating them, she's just this making them all the same. Yeah. I yes, bet you, so yeah, he's not I getting really... one special for him. Yeah. I wanted PB&J. Poor Juan Juan. <laughs> Poor Juan Juan. Yeah. And then also Juan. like being able to summon food if you know where it is. Okay. So you mean to tell me if I go and park outside Outback, <laughs> I can summon a steak to myself because I know there's steak in there. And okay, so I thought about it on the this highway. Way. So like, um, in Hogwarts and the Great Hall, we know that the kitchens are actually below the Great Hall and they like mirror the Great Hall. And so like whenever um like the food just appears on the table in front of them. It's mm-hmm. essentially it's being summoned from the floor below. True. Like they place all the food on food, all the food <laughs> on the tables, and then it just appears on the table in front of them. So I, that was one of the things that I thought about, like the summoning part of it. Like if you know where it is, you could summon it. And I mean, I'm assuming, like if you know where food is, you could just say Asio, you know, French toast, and it would fly out right? of IHOP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, if you live in Hogsmeade a, and you know that there's butterbeer, right? You're also a thief and you're breaking the wizarding statute of secrecy. So, those are problematic actions. Asio Mexican pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, my that's God. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. I, okay, so this just, this, honestly, this just adds to, like, what I was saying before, how, like, wizarding salaries are worth so much more than muggle salaries, even if they match the same, even if they make the same amount, it's much more in the wizarding world. Right, exactly. But then, in turn, that Um, makes me think, because if you think about, like, in America, the cost of living is different in different areas, right? So like, you're going to get paid less mm-hmm. to do the same job in, a, in like, you'll get, okay, an easier example is like, you'll get paid more to do the same job in like New York City or Los Angeles than like someplace in the Midwest, because the cost of living is right. higher in those places. So yes. do it's ministry right, workers yes. make less than government workers do in the UK you know what I'm saying to like balance it out but like I don't think that I don't think so uh yeah McKenna just said is visiting DoorDash or Uber Eats called Accio Eats oh my god I love that <gasps> that's amazing I love that <laughs> I am now questioning my pronunciation on everything because I know Jim Dale says Osseo and I have always said that like I always use his pronunciations and now I'm like why do I say Accio when Jim Dale said Osseo. I don't know, because you're a weird kid. Do they say Akio in the movies? Yeah, they do. I don't remember. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a books are better kid, so. Ooh, I like both. <laughs> <laughs> um, I say nut, but I know that Jim Dale says canut. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, I know. And I'm like, it's not spelled with like an apostrophe. So I don't know. Or is it? I don't think it is. So I don't know why he pronounced it that way. So, but, and that's my thing. Like, why didn't somebody like be like, hey, we need you to re record this like section 
but anyway hmm. um okay so one of the other so we talked about camp's law but one of the other things i wanted to talk about is like so we kind of talked about the house elves already so they're the cooks for hogwarts um the only other times that we really see people that actually prepare or make food in the wizarding world is molly and then maybe i guess you could say a little bit with ross murda because we know she's famous for making her oak matured mead sounds really um, good the other time that we see gamp's law brought up is when uh Neville points out that that's the one thing that their uh, room of requirement can't provide them is food. And so it opened a passage to the Hogshead mm-hmm. and Aberforth was able to supply them with food. So um, that's another instance where you kind of see that law in action. And um, I think it's kind of hilarious because like Ron is the one that's like, well, if that's the first exception to Gamp's law, he like parrots what Hermione says. And it makes him sound really smart and it's kind of funny. Um, and then, oh, the other time is that uh, Sirius was living in a cave eating rats during the Goblet of Fire. Do y'all remember that? And like, yeah. Um, the trio go and get chicken and like different things from the kitchen uh, from Dobby and the other house elves there to take to Sirius in the cave that he was staying in. So um, I know we're going to talk about this later on, but like we talked, one of the things that like is another aspect of like wizarding economy is like um, housing. And it's like, okay, so we already know in Goblet of Fire, earlier in the Goblet of Fire, they went to the wizarding, uh, the Quidditch World Cup and they threw up a tent that was he had borrowed from an old warlock named Perkins. And you walk inside the tent and it's basically an apartment flat with running water and a bathroom. So yeah. why is Sirius living in a cave? Why doesn't he have like a pup tent that's like a flat? Right? Like, right? make it make sense. With running make water. Sense. And... With running water. <laughs> and then also if he could get like any food whatsoever, he could be- theoretically should be able to increase the quantity of it. So he shouldn't have to be eaten. You shouldn't have to be eating rats. Right. If Why you're hanging around in hogs like, too. Didn't Harry send him bread? Or something? Yes. He brought him chicken. Like, yeah, like why didn't he before he ate that <laughs> make more? Duplicated it. Right. Yeah. What exactly. a dummy. Yeah, you are Yeah, dumb. increase the quantity. You are really dumb for real. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, no, I I enjoy the rats. I've never, yeah right that's that's the bottom line he actually enjoyed eating the rats because he thought of maybe peter that was like a, with everybody i was just gonna say it was a dig at peter <laughs> oh no that's terrible so awful. Uh, uh, that's bad okay i think that's all i've got for Gamp's law um, little side note on Gamp's Law, that's the terrible fake Hermione voice on the Hogwarts Express at the Wizarding World of Harry You're Potter right. and Universal, Universal Orlando. Um, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. That is one of the first <laughs> of the five principal exceptions to Gamp's Law of Elemental Transfiguration. I've been on there like... Oh my gosh. That's her customer service voice? Mm-hmm. It's worse than that. <laughs> like a customer service voice is better oh, than that. They couldn't get Emma Watson and whoever they got was just not it no comparison like it not it. not even like oh it kind of sounds no not at all anyway 
get off my high horse there. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Tiffany here from Swish, and I want to talk about being a problem solver. In my classroom, I'm always telling my firsties to be problem solvers. In first grade, that's one thing, but in adult life, it's a whole other. It can be really difficult to train your brain to go into a problem-solving mode. Maybe you don't even know where to start. It's a challenge that we all face in life. But when you learn to better help your brain find solutions, it's truly a great feeling. And if you've ever been thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. BetterHelp is convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's all online. And on top of that, they match you with a therapist just by filling out a brief survey. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com swish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash swish. So this part took my brain in places I didn't know it could go. I didn't know there were these many questions about healthcare in the wizarding world. So basically, according to the author, and I'll get into a little bit more of what she's written, anything that's a muggle ailment, generally, wizards can easily cure. I'm going to preface this section as a trigger warning, talking about different medical ailments, just so everyone knows. Um, so the first article I pulled stuff from was from Reddit from user Elpheus Mostafa, which I feel like we may have actually read something from that before. It sounds very familiar to me. I don't know. Maybe when we talked about, uh, about Mungos or something. I don't, I don't know. Interesting. So they posed all these wonderful questions and I'm just going to dish them out and we're going to talk about it. How does a very sick or injured witch or wizard get to the hospital? Meaning like, okay, yes, you can rely on your family and friends, but what do you do if you're alone? How do you call for emergency? Can you... Ambu broom? (laughs) Ambu broom? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, Like, could a Patronus be sent? But, side note, I feel like a Patronus is really some... Isn't that like Dumbledore invented that method of using a Patronus? And it was yeah, kind of like, yeah, so he mm-hmm. taught the order. So yes. I don't think it's widely known, but if it is widely known, casting a Patronus does require energy. And if you're really sick or you're really injured, chances are you're not probably not going to be able to conjure that well. Um, like, are there small clinics around the United Kingdom? Is there a response team like EMT or EMS? Is there a Wizarding World 911? Like there has right? to be so little like, clinics that are like Yeah. In America, there, I call them a dock in a box. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Is there a Miladies and a Malords clinic? You know? Yeah. So, a Man, healer in a hut. Think about healer in a hut. Shut up. Oh my god. Queenie Hut General. <laughs> Isn't that uh, SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It was>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Anytime she makes a joke, and I don't know what it is, generally SpongeBob. nine and a half times out of ten, it's SpongeBob. Yeah. There's just so many things you need to learn by still watching the show. Um, I'm gonna say that we need to watch one episode of SpongeBob before we do Grays every night. What? Yeah, because then you'll learn all these wonderful jokes I have. They're funny. Anyway, 
<laughs> They're funny. <laughs> Does the Wizarding World have a need for any sort of muggle medical treatments? We do see Mr. Weezy like try to dapple in stitches. It doesn't go well because like the magical properties totally dissolve them and it's bad news. But I wonder if like at any point in time, do they require any sort of muggle treatment? Um, and then this is more of the trigger part. Um, do human wizards witches and wizards ever get or pass away from cancer heart attacks or is there diabetes is there heart disease strokes high blood pressure um i feel like this is touched on a little bit and the author says that it does happen way less often because they can fix so many ailments with magic which then this becomes a morality issue in my opinion because yes. like they right? have the cure for all of these things and they're not sharing right? it yeah i mean like they get a cold at hogwarts and they just go get a pepper up potion and then like the next day you're right. fine or right that day you're fine instantly you smoke at the ears for a day but other than that you're totally yeah good. but like to be right? able to like cure heart disease your cancer cure yes. cancer right yeah yeah um, so there is an article on wizardingworld.com. It's called Illness and Disability. It is written by the author. It's like one of those excerpts from her. Um, I'm just going to bring some stuff from it. Basically, she's saying like, like she even wondered, like, do wizards catch colds? Can they cure illnesses baffle, that baffle muggles? Blah, blah, blah. So she ultimately decided, broadly speaking, that wizards could have the power to correct or override quote mundane nature but not magical nature so basically like a wizard could catch anything a muggle might catch but he could cure all of it so he but this is where it gets interesting to me he could be he could comfortably survive a scorpion sting that might kill a muggle but he might die being bitten by a venomous tentacula because that's what they right, would encounter yeah. more and like there, there is a little bit yes. of a different blood chemistry, I believe, between mm-hmm. magical and non-magical. Um, let's see what else was in here. Um, I'm just gonna read this part too. Thus, it can be seen that while wizards have an enviable, an enviable head start over the rest of us in dealing with the flu and all manner of serious injuries, they have to deal with problems that the rest of us never face. Not only is the Muggle world free of such perils as Devil's Snare and Blast and its Scroots. The statute of secrecy also has also kept us free from contact with anyone who could pass on dragonpox or spattergroit. So that's what made me think like, okay, so all that being we said, have our issues and they have their issues. Yes. But like, does that mean like, sure, the wizarding community doesn't get cancer or suffer from heart attacks, but do they have similar magical afflictions to that? Like dragonpox sounded like it was really bad. Spattergoid like yeah, yeah. Spattergoid yeah, doesn't um, sound pleasant. So like is there for lack of a better term, <laughs> like is there like magical cancer in a way? But it would be called something. But I just wonder if like well, they like, do deal with it in some form. I remember um uh Dumbledore when he graduated like in his novel that was written by Rita like or his novel his biography um he was supposed to do a tour of the world when he graduated from Hogwarts and Elpheus Doge was supposed to come with him but Elpheus Elpheus Doge came down with dragonpox didn't he mm-hmm. and that what he came down with and then he I couldn't so. travel um and so like I kind of was under the impression that it was like a very debilitating disease and then uh Slughorn makes a comment to Malfoy about his father 
or grandfather rather that he knew uh Malfoy's grandfather really well and then he was like oh dragon pox at his age you know and apparently that's what he passed away from um and I think if I remember correctly maybe even like the Potters um like Harry's yes. grandparents yes. might have passed yep. away from dragon pox yeah so dragon pox is, appa- is apparently a very gnarly disease to get in the wizarding world right um and I wonder if like I mean, in the article I just read, the author kind of says, like, the ministry helped, like, stopped anyone from, a muggle from contracting dragonpox. But I wonder if there's types of illnesses that they can't contract because they're not. Right, because they don't have, yeah, because they don't have any, like, I don't know, what do you call it? Midi-chlorines? That's what they call it in Star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love the crossover, yes. Um, oh, okay. Also, someone in the Brunil Waslib corrected me in the chat. So she said Doge was recovering from dragonpox when school started, and that's how him and Dumbledore became friends because Dumbledore befriended mm. him. And the reason why he couldn't travel was because oh, so that's what happened. Yeah. Um, oh, his Dumbledore's died. mother passed away, and Elpheus is actually the one that ended up going traveling. That's what happened. Got it. Um, Lily E asked too if a muggle gets a magical illness is it a death sentence I don't know I do know that like certain things do affect muggles more so like if it is contractable for example like I'm sure dragon pox would be way more dangerous even still for a muggle so we know one magical being that impacts muggles and that's dementors yes Mm -hmm. like because they were saying that like dementors were making all of the like UK citizens depressed and sad and miserable during Voldemort's rise to power. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I'm just gonna leave you guys with all that. You can just contemplate <laughs> all these wonderful things. And someone in the chat also asked, like, do they have universal health care? I don't know. I don't know. Is there oh yeah. So like when insurance? when Arthur got bitten by Nagini. Like, did he get a massive bill from right uh, Healer Smethwick? That was like I mean, he got multiple bills: one from Smethwick, one from Saint Mungo's. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking right. about I'm talking about the American healthcare system. For those of you who aren't familiar, <laughs> <laughs> you get like 28 bills from all the different yep. providers that gave you a service. And did you know that you can call them and um, negotiate, negotiate price your yeah, price? Oh, 100. percent That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. It should just be covered whatever i mean the uk has socialized medicine so i'm gonna assume that the wizarding world does too yeah that's my guess that yeah i would think so too yeah i i feel like they kind of mirror the muggle ministry for as much as they they do a shoe muggle yeah. way of doing things um okay so i'm gonna talk about housing and i don't like i didn't really this is really just going to be a discussion because this is something we literally know absolutely nothing about. Like there was no research to do right. on this topic. I'm a magical real estate agent. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know. You right? are? Yeah. Oh, well, seriously. Katie, do, you want to, do you want to talk about it? No, I want to hear what you think. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Marcus's thoughts here. By the way, guys, Marcus literally gave me all the talking points. Like he's bomb. Yeah. So this is, <laughs> this is, this was his idea for discussing housing. This was his so, baby. This would be potentially their biggest (laughs) cost of living would be like accommodations, whether that's the home that they live in or if they like rent an apartment. 
Um, but even then, couldn't you just rent like a broom closet or a shed and then magically extend the space, which mind you is kind of what the burrow looks like. What happened, you know, exactly. it's very wonky. Yeah. Harry uh, it says it was held together built. by magic. Yeah. Right. Um, so that they could extend the space to be double, triple or substantially larger. I will say, I think that proof of that being a thing is the burrow. Um, it definitely is just like pieced together. It's almost like as they had kids, they added a, a level, you know, like with another bedroom. And Katie and I have like written this very long fan fiction-y type role play story that takes place in the wizarding world. And we had our characters do that. They like extended their home mm-hmm. themselves with magic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that makes I feel like that makes sense. So like, yeah, again, it's, it's a cost to like initially, basically they just have to buy land. Yeah. I think that like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like the, okay. the Weasleys just had to buy that land and then they, they just like built what they wanted on it. Yeah. Cause we know the Weasleys on that land, the degrees aren't far away and then the love goods are nearby as well. So like a lot of that area. So I'm like, I mean, I'm seriously thinking that like Katie's not, far from the truth when she's like there's a magical real estate agent out there probably <laughs> probably they and just then where sell did, plots um, of land <laughs> where did uh harry's parents live um godrick godrick, godrick, Hollow, Hollow. godrick yeah. and it was a mixture of muggle and wizarding households so like can you imagine if you're a muggle and you're like oh i'm really interested in that house and they're like no you can't buy that house <laughs> no 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 that's there's a ghoul in the magic, attic right yeah there's a ghoul in the attic you're not allowed to buy that house <laughs> uh, yeah I like so that. yeah I don't know I mean like there's not like a whole lot to talk about there but like besides I agree that like all they need to do is get land and then they they and like I kind of think that like the love goods house is another example like that I feel like their house also at least how they visually made it look in the films it looked magically built. Delicious. It was wonky. It had charm and character. Like, I feel like that's the thing. So, my biggest thing right now is like in America, the tiny house movement has like taken a huge foothold because people are like desperate for affordable housing. Yeah. Um, I feel like it had a big rise like probably 10 years ago. My like entire YouTube feed for like probably a good two years was tiny houses because mm-hmm. I was obsessed. I'm obsessed. Um, Meg was like, we could do it. I was like, no. I wish couldn't. we could. Maybe then, let's sell everything. We could okay. do it. I'm on the And then again. you go to the Goblet of Fire to the Quidditch World Cup and everybody puts up these tents. And what are these tents if not like magical tiny houses? And I'm right? like, right? we could literally live in a tiny house community with a bunch of wizard tents that are basically full-blown apartments on the inside. Mm-hmm. I would love that. I mean, the the trio literally spent an entire year traveling the globe. Not the globe, but, you know. The, traveling the UK. Great Britain. Traveling the UK. <laughs> In a tent that was basically like a small apartment. Like, come on, that's, yeah. you know, to me, that's one of those things that like huge, huge equalizer. If Voldemort was smart, he would have hit his Horcruxes all around the world and not just in the UK. What a dummy. True. He should have hit that, like, one at each wizarding school. Gotta be enough, right? I think so. Oh my gosh. And he also should not have made them, like, important, like, 
magical objects. He should have made them an old tin can and just thrown it in the trash. Literally make it like a, <laughs> a sewing needle. Like if he had just done that with extra. one of them. Yeah, just If one. he had just done that with one and let it go to a landfill, it would never have been seen again. Thumbtack, done. And he would have been fine. Right? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Jenny. Can be? That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Jenny just said that this conversation makes her think of the show Out of the Box. <gasps> I love that of the show. Box. Out of Marcus, the box. you're probably too old for that. <laughs> yeah, Katie sang the theme song. Mm-hmm. Out I, of the box. Yeah. Out so long. Farewell to you, my friend. So good. I wanted to be in that fort. Yeah, honestly. It was like you went into this box and then like it was literally the tent from the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Another core memory unlocked. Oh, oh man, I loved out of the box. That same time was also like Gullah Gullah Island. Gullah Gullah Island. Gullah Gullah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, so... The next Mark's thing we like, want to talk know, about. Gala, gala. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get. I don't get that reference. Not much generation. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, um. So the next thing we wanted to talk about was Harry's management of his own gold, and apparently I did not paste my notes for that. AKA, there either, is so. no management. There's no management done. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so basically. And I feel like we don't begrudge Harry this because he spent so long with the Dursleys and we saw how he was treated with the Dursleys. So it was kind of like in a way that I don't want to say that we like that he was one of us, but we kind of like we don't begrudge him coming into a lot of money. But effectively, Harry was a trust fund baby and he inherited a very large sum of money. And I pulled one source. This was from 17.com. They wrote an article about it and they did a calculation and they said that Harry effectively inherited the amount of what is 1.2 million U.S. dollars. So at the age of 11 years old, Harry was a millionaire. Sick. Right? I mean, I think it's probably a good thing he didn't like comprehend how much that was maybe because that kid was just like, omnoculars? Yeah, three sets. Hook me up. You know, but it's also kind of cool that he had like a little bit of freedom to like go and get some random Enjoy joke himself stuff. Because he yeah. lived in literal heck for yeah. the first 10 years of his life, pretty much. If anyone deserves a random $1 million check, it's Harry. Right. Jenny says technically so, at the age of one, he was a millionaire because his parents. How Oh no, James! Not wrong. <laughs> I mean, honestly, at age one, James was probably a millionaire because this was money left over from a potion invention, right? Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. So I actually researched that, and it was the Sleek Easy's hair potion that Flea that old Hermione uses. Yep. Yeah, that Hermione uses later on. And she was like, I had to use a ton of that stuff. So, you know, maybe make that a little bit more potent, Flemont. But um, (laughs) that was how he was like, I'm going to make money because I'm going to water this stuff down. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so um, that was basically 
Well, we know that like Harry is descended from the Peverells, who were apparently like really great wizards. And so we have reason to believe that maybe that like they have generational wealth and that's where some of it came from. And then we know that specifically like Fleamont was also an entrepreneur and like developed this potion and was had a successful lineup of, of potions that he sold. So we think that's where the source of the income was. But um, the thing that I really wanted to look at was the fact that like, you know, Hagrid was sent to get Harry because Harry wasn't getting his letters. And so because of that, then Hagrid accompanies Harry to go to Diagon Alley to buy this stuff. Um, And so he follows him around while he's making purchases. And there was a point in Diagon Alley when Harry's looking at cauldrons and he's like, I want the pure gold cauldron. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Harry Harry was trying to go full baller. (laughs) And Hagrid was like... Right, exactly. And Hagrid was like, mm, no, your list says pewter. <laughs> Good job, Hagrid. So Good job. Buddy, right? Um, so we do see, like, Harry have, like, this tendency in the beginning to just, like, want to spend money uh, now that he has some because, you know, he's never really had money before. Um the other time that we see Harry spend money is when he's on the like train for Hogwarts and the trolley comes by and he's like, I'll take the lot. And he literally yeah. just buys all the candy off the trolley for him and Ron to go through. And they had a blast doing that, um, which feels very Harry because like we said, one of the things that Harry had encountered was food scarcity. Like that was one of the things that like, yeah. he really experienced living with the Dursleys because they withheld food and all that kind of stuff. So if you have money now and you've experienced food scarcity, you're just going to be like, give me all the foods, which is a Hufflepuff. I, I respect mad respect. Oh, for sure. Um, but, um, so I just want to like preface this by saying like after that year, where Hagrid accompanies him like from that point forward he's literally just like a 12 year old a 13 year old a 14 year old a 15 year old a 16 year old walking around with a million dollars in the bank and nobody is like like nobody's acting as the trustee for this nobody's (laughs) telling him what he can spend the money on like like how can he invest that to get more there's no like you'll get this American thing nobody's (laughs) managing this nobody's like telling him how much he's allowed to spend at the start of each school year, like giving him an allow, like a budgeted amount or anything like that. It's basically it's like, all on him. There you go. Right. Exactly. And then like, does he know how many galleons to get out at the beginning of every year? Like he doesn't know what his course books are going to cost or the ingredients he's going to need for potions are going to cost. He's not like making that budget. Molly's probably doing that for her family, but nobody's doing that he's for guessing. him. So he's, He's just like grabbing a big old pile of gold and throwing it in a bag and like running. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I never thought of this before, but it's like usually like an inheritance like that would you'd have to wait until you were of age. But they're just like, right, here you go. <laughs> Jump in this pool of gold. <laughs> or there's somebody there to be like, okay, here's how much you have. Right. Like, or, yeah. You know, right. Like exactly. Saying. It's like, okay, yeah. well, you know, his parents aren't here. So like, here's what you need for the school year come back right, this time exactly. next year and you'll get more yeah right exactly um so um so what actually brought all this about and what made me want to talk about this as a topic of conversation is like i re-listened to the harry potter books over and over again um 
And so I was listening to Chamber of Secrets and there was uh, like, it's funny to me because like the contradictions that are, that are made in the books, like just from one chapter to the next are kind of amusing sometimes. So in Chamber of Secrets is when we meet the Grangers for the first time. So Arthur meets the Grangers and he's like, muggles, they're exchanging money, muggle money for galleons. Okay. So he's like freaking out because he sees them exchanging muggle money for galleons at Gringotts and um he just thinks it's the neatest thing ever so we actually see that you can exchange money you know muggle money for wizard gold like it's a thing you can do so we know it's the thing you can do and then a couple of chapters later when they can't get on the Hogwarts Express Ron asks Harry if he has any muggle money so that they could like take a taxi or do something I forget exactly and Harry's like (sighs) the Dursleys haven't given me pocket money for six years. What are you talking about? And I'm like, did it never occur to you, Harry, to like maybe take a couple of galleons and go get some muggle money? That's true. Like could have easily walked up to any one of the goblin tellers and been like, hey, can you give me muggle money for these three galleons? Harry's literally like- he would have had pocket money. Right. He's literally like, <laughs> maybe he was peace worried. muggle world, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> maybe he was like worried that they would take it from him though. So I, so that is, there is one comment where he says, it's in the very first book that he says that um, if they knew that he had this, they would have had it off of him like oh, in yeah. a minute. So, yeah. so if he had ever actually converted to muggle money and they had found out that he was like smuggling muggle money home and like using it to buy stuff and they had found out, they would have been like, where are you getting this money from? Yeah. Like, do you know how expensive you are to take care of? so yeah i i do agree with that that was the one argument that i'll give harry in his favor but like also as he got a little bit older i feel like you could have you could have taken 40 pounds home and nobody would have known right and bought some chips yeah <laughs> right. true you can figure you it out you smuggled some chips home yeah like there's some stuff you could have done you're friends with the weasley twins come on figure it out right <laughs> yeah they can help you out. <laughs> um Okay, so that, that was like the big points I wanted to talk about was just that like, you know, you have an 11-year-old with a million dollars and very little oversight. No oversight, <laughs> none, except Hagrid saying, none. nah, maybe don't get the gold. No, no, no gold car, no gold coffins, yeah. I will say though, Harry, first of all, like he should never have turned out the way that he did. It's a good thing he did. But like, I think he also mentions in Sorcerer's Stone when he's shopping like he wanted to buy like this thing that showed you like the whole solar system. Yeah. And he refrained from that. Like he does have this level of self-control yeah, and I'm I impressed by it. I know me too. Yeah. I'm impressed by it. Even like, like he knows when he's splurging a little bit, like when he buys those yeah, binoculars no. at the Quidditch world cup, but he also like knows how to hold himself back sometimes. I don't know. I, I yeah. take a leaf out of Harry's book for sure. Right. Um, okay. Are you done? I don't want to talk over you. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's go over some pricing of magical items and stuff like that, which I forgot that this was part of my section and my two lovely co-hosts here helped me. I wanted to give you guys credit. That was really (laughs) nice. Um, so we can start with a firebolt because I think that may possibly be like, before I go through this, we're going to go through this list of like random things but before that i feel like the firebolt is like 
that's one thing when someone's like how much does that cost because I think in the book it even says like ask for price and that's never a good sign when you're shopping for anything at all um so this one person guesses six between 600 and 800 galleons this other link guesses I think it's oh look it's Cora guesses like 2,000 galleons that's crazy that's a lot (laughs) no I don't think that's right I would guess like five to eight hundred excuse me yeah I feel like I feel like 600 is a good is a good range for that yeah. What um what does this wiki list say? Because yeah, the wiki list. So the wiki list guessed... says the firebolt's three hundred, <gasps> but I think that that's incorrect. Three wait, okay, three hundred galleons. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that doesn't seem like enough slow. to make it like yeah, to make it out of reach. Yeah, right. it's like how much is the Nimbus two thousand? There's literally I tried to find it. There's nothing. There's no. There's no. How much? Because didn't McGonagall buy him the Nimbus? So, like, how much did she throw down on a student? I mean, I'm see, like, I felt like the Nimbus series was maybe like a hundred galleons, which that's a lot still. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. If we go, so this list, it's on the wiki. The wiki, it has like cost of items in books, and it starts with the most. Um, so the number one, like largest unit that we see is the bounty on Sirius's head um, and Harry's. They're oh yeah. Same. It's the same. You're right. Mm-hmm. Harry and Sirius. That's funny. Oh, we have so much in common and it's 10,000 galleons. Holy. Wow. Holy moly. Hold on. What's the conversion? Okay. Hold on. You've got like the conversion that we are okay, using, so- right? While y'all are doing that conversion, so the article that I read said that they think that Harry had about 50,000 galleons in his vault based on their estimate. Okay. I think the so, conversion we're using is on the lexicon, right? Oh, this doesn't seem right then. 10,000, 10, it says $60,000-ish. 60600 That's a lot of money. That doesn't add up. But also, like, wizards are weird. Like, okay, if your increments are like, and I'm going to just say this, this wrong, but it's like. I don't know. I trust the, the lexicon. But if your inc- increments are like 27 sickles to a galleon and whatever to a nut, like, how then are you just like, well, it's a 10,000 galleon prize. Why wouldn't it be like some weird number? There's no way that those are going to go in <laughs> nicely to 10,000. <laughs> I don't know. Um, are you trying to figure that out? I mean, I don't know. Their converter seems the best. It, it says that this converter is accurate to the hour based on exchange rates. <laughs> wow. And you can even set Holy historical cow. dates so that you can work out how much something is on a certain like day in a year. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, I was actually thinking that like time value of money because like, I'm wondering if some people are giving us the quote of what a galleon was worth back in 1994 when like Harry was like theoretically going through school. It says for the sake of this converter, one galleon equals five pounds as described by the author when asked for a currency conversion. 
Okay. So we assume that the exchange rate between galleons and pounds is static for the sake of this converter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, well, if that's what was said, that's probably the most canon we can get, right? Yeah. Okay. The third um, largest sum, and I won't, I don't know if I'll go through all of these, but it's just kind of interesting to see like the big ones is the Triwizard winnings, Triwizard winnings. That was a thousand galleons. I mean, that was enough for Fred and George to like really push to open their joke shop because Harry obviously gives it to them. Um, then we have a reward for an Azkaban escapee other than Sirius. And that's just, a, that's also a thousand galleons. Um, we have that newspaper prize for the Weasley family. That was 700 galleons. Um, according to this, Firebolt 300. Acromantula Venom, 100 galleons for a pint. For a pint. That's a lot. But I like, they're a big spider. So I wonder how much you can get. Yeah. Like, is that like in one, one go? Milking? milking. Is that a pint? And my brain went immediately to ice cream. So you can tell where my brain is right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ice cream. I want a pint of a root beer float. Oh, Give it to me. I've been craving honey a root beer needs float. To come up, honey Hut needs to come up with a Harry Potter flavor, like acromantula venom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh, I can't wait to get honey hut. <gasps> like a week. Every day. A man. week to honey Every hut bill. Don't lick the microphone. No, thank you. Um, then we drop down, like we're not all in the hundreds anymore uh, when mr weasley was fined for his flying car that was 50 galleons i mean it's still pretty steep but um the monthly offer that dobby gives to or dumbledore gives to dobby his monthly offer is 40 galleons that's awesome dobby does not take that because he feels like it's too much <laughs> i remember this yeah. yeah but i didn't i did not like remember that it was that's that's so what good that yearly what's 40 times 12 40 I can't times do that 12 math in my head i could but me I don't want either to. 40 times 12 480 i mean it's not a lot but like to dobby that had to have felt yeah. like a million galleons you know totally um let's see what else should we pull from here fred and george their bet on the quidditch world cup was rounded up like 38 galleons um and then we've got things like a stolen venomous tentacula leaf or seed 10 galleons to the right buyer omnoculars are 10 galleons harry just give me three of them no big deal percy's betting on his girlfriend 10 galleons bro you don't have that but i appreciate you trying to look cool in front of penelope Hey, if Fred and George had 30 something, he might. That was like their life savings. I know. <laughs> Percy Literally. even said, he was like, I don't have 10 galleons, so you have to win. He tells Harry that. That's right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He didn't bet on his girlfriend. It was a bet against his girlfriend. That's right. Thank you. Or on Harry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, unicorn hairs are 10 galleons per hair. You know, that's interesting. I read this somewhere. I don't remember where I was looking, 
but like I think a wand hold on a wand is seven galleons but a core item is more than that so does like Ollivander go and like get the materials he needs himself to cut down on like middleman cost probably does he go and does he have a deal with Hagrid and he gets some unicorn hairs oh so I will say he does have a line in there about where he got Cedric Diggory's unicorn hair. He got it from a young unicorn that almost gored him when he tried to pull the hair. Well, there you <laughs> oh, go. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. This is what um, my brain is full of. Random Harry Potter knowledge. I mean, me too. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, let's see. The advanced potion making book is nine galleons. Jeez. That's more than a wand? That's crazy. Jeez. Um, the price for catching a mudblood, five galleons per person. That's gross. Then we've got... Also, it's not very much. Like yeah. It doesn't seem like it would encourage you to catch them. Yeah. Right. That is weird. Right. You mm. can buy two coffees plus the tip at Madame Puttyfoot's for one galleon. <laughs> uh, dragon liver is 17 sickles. We're down to the sickles now. A canary cream is seven sickles. Sorry, I was getting a random call that I didn't expect. Um, the cost of hot chocolate on the night bus, two sickles. I'd pay for that. But if you also want a hot water bottle and toothbrush, that's another two sickles. Which is the same price to join Spew. Sorry, S-P-E-W. Yep, two sickles. A bottle of butterbeer is also two sickles. And then the only items we know for uh, nuts or canuts, the paper, like the Daily Profit, is five. Yes. Black black beetle eyes is five per scoop and then wait there's the paper and then newspaper so maybe we see it in two different yeah the paper in the first book is five and then the newspaper in the fifth book is one nut weird yeah you'd think it would cost more with like you know inflation and stuff hmm I wonder if one of them was, like, purchasing the paper and one was, like, with delivery. Who knows? Ah, maybe. Because I remember the first time we get the paper, the owl drops it off to Hagrid in the hut on the rock. Like, that owl had to, like, do some flying. I also wonder if it depends, like, how hard it is to get to you. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to talk about as far as this goes is, like, how much it costs to... What is this? This is like go to Hogwarts, but it was just like some more things that like Harry had to buy. So like again, his wand is seven galleons. A cauldron is fifteen, at least the one he bought. Um, brass scales and glass vials are three galleons each. Jeez, and then a telescope is about five galleons. It's just crazy. Like, I feel like there's no. Like things that feel like they should cost less cost a lot and vice versa. Yeah. So like one of the like I think core problems is that 
like you said, like a unicorn hair is what ten galleons. That's what Slughorn says at one point. Yeah, exactly. Because he like gets um, he convinces Hagrid to give him like an entire like lock of unicorn hair that he had like hanging in his hut. Um, and he says ten galleons of hair or whatever. And we know that a wand is only like about seven galleons. So I guess it's logical to say that maybe uh, Ollivander is able to produce the wands less expensive because he sources the materials himself. But like, yeah. But like, um, why would he? And then yeah. like, and then also, do we think maybe that's something that's being subsidized somehow because a wand is such a like essential thing for people to own as a wizard or wish or wizard? I yeah, like, know. is the price of wands regulated? Just like in mm. America, like the price of certain foods is regulated that are considered like mm. necessities, you know, or rather they're supposed right. to be at least, but like, you know, milk is yeah. supposed to be regulated, eggs, that kind of stuff. I don't know. Could yeah, be. So. Because it is a necessity. Um, well, see, I was thinking most people buy their first one as a student. And so maybe it's like when you buy your first Apple product and you're a student, you get, you get the student, student discount. discount. That discount. Oh, man. Man. The best of that was like when you got the Adobe Suite for like nothing. Now yes. it's like, so oh my much gosh, more. like a percentage of the actual price. Yeah, yeah it was like a hundred bucks yeah. instead of like 3,000 yes. or something ridiculous like that. Yes. Like, I never want to get rid Ugh. of the student account on my Creative Cloud. When we started, there was no creative cloud. I know you just, just want to throw that out there and installed it. Split. Um, anyway, your turn. <laughs> let's talk about salaries. This is Baby, the last section. Let's talk about you and me. And this was literally me looking at like Glassdoor and taking estimates, except for some. Like there was actually how much the salary is for the minister like prime minister of the UK. And then like, I took how much someone in parliament made for like a member of the Wizengamot, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so for a healer, I took the salary, the estimated salary of a doctor over a nurse, because I feel like healers are more equivalent to doctors than nurses in terms of like schooling and skill level. So that is estimated to be around 78, 79,000 pounds. Again, I specifically tried to look for salaries in the UK. So that would equip, that would be equivalent to um, rounded up about 16,000 galleons a year. So that's pretty good. It sounds mm -hmm. so funny because like, if you said sixteen thousand dollars a year, right? You know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, I know. Nothing. Right. Yeah. Poverty um, wages for the healers. So the the one, the one. Um, oh my god! Why? What is wrong with my brain? Like, honest to god, you've gotten like no sleep in the last two days. I know. Cut I'm yourself so tired. some slack. Um, the one career, I guess, job, whatever that I did compare to an American job just because I didn't know 
the equivalent in the UK to what I was trying to look up. I'm sure that they exist there and I apologize. I just didn't take that extra step to look it up, but I was comparing an order to like a special agent in the FBI. Um, so that salary is estimated to be around 120,000 us dollars a year. And that is equivalent to almost 20,000 galleons. So orers make more than doctors. Interesting. Hmm. Um, I already talked about like the barmaid comparison. They make a, approximately 25,000 pounds a year. So that is equivalent to 5,000 galleons. Um, so again, like seeing that difference, like an or 20,000, a bartender, 5,000. Um, the Wizengamot. So I took how much somebody in parliament makes, which is $84,144 a year to be exact. British pounds. Um, and that is rounded up to about 17,000 galleons a year. Uh, and again, this is all based on real-time life as of today, what they would make. Because, you know, this converter is like to the hour accurate based on conversion <laughs> rates. Um, teachers, it says about 30,000 British pounds. That is equivalent to 6,000 galleons. I'm just saying, what a scam. They deserve so much more than that. Oh, my gosh. Um Ministry workers like Mr. Weasley, possibly, I would estimate maybe like 40,000 pounds in wages a year. So that's about 8,000 galleons a year. And then the minister, the prime minister in the UK makes 165,000 pounds a year. And that is equivalent to 33,000 galleons. Okay. So I could never decide if like, um, if I thought the Hogwarts teachers were just like K through 12 teachers or if they were considered like professor level status, because like, think about like McGee and like Slughorn and Snape and Mm -hmm. even Flitwick, they are like elite, elite. Like they are the best at what they do. So I feel like they're probably like publishing like mcgee is totally contributing to transfiguration today like she's totally getting published sure. in transfiguration today you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean like yeah, and that's like professor so level. I would, that's like what you do as yeah a exactly yeah. so i so i wonder i can't figure out because like hogwarts is kind of weird because there's no college or excuse me that's american terminology University. so there's no uni <laughs> yeah there's no uni like after you graduate from hogwarts you just may do some like but- vocational training yeah, I was gonna say the there's like that some you go training. To work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, like aura um, training, super intense. Right, exactly. And then healers, basically, you intern as a healer. But like, I feel like because of the way they split it up, like you have your OWLs and then you have your newts. It feels like the last two years going towards the newts is almost more like collegiate work. Mm-hmm. Like your sixth year and your seventh year feels more collegiate. And um, I agree. Or university level, so. Um, I feel like you could say that the Hogwarts professors were um, effectively like professors. That's true. Um, PhDs, yeah. yeah. So I wonder what that would look like um, for them as a salary. But um, let's see, what is like a standard? <laughs> Mike's got the friendlies menu up on her computer. I do. <laughs> they changed their logo. But yeah, it's funny because. I do remember when Slughorn that was like um, coming back to work for Dumbledore and he said, you know, he said he didn't make very much. He was like, you know, the salary, he said he, he told Dumbledore he wanted a pay raise 
And then he said something to Harry later on about how his salary was modest. But also Slughorn has very expensive taste. So mm. <laughs> so actually a professor makes about 90,000 pounds a year. And that mm. would be closer to 15,000 galleons. So yeah. better, better. Oh, so, yeah. So then like a teacher and a healer would be on the same level almost. Yeah. 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 Actually, a teacher would be a little more. Yeah. They would be more on the level of the Wizengamot, which is crazy cool, actually. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I still can't get over like Aurors being like one of the highest paid professions. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, I know. I mean, I guess it is a very dangerous job. Like, you're putting your life on the line. Like, Mad-Eye Moody lost how many appendages in his career? Right. (laughs) Yeah, and like, I do, like, Aurors are more than just a cop. They're like special agents. Like, Katie was almost like, I would kind of like, almost compare them like to the military like i said like, like navy Mer- yeah yeah like a navy seal so it's it's somewhere between like uh special ops in the military so like navy yeah. seals or even cia or yeah yeah mi mi5 mi5 in the uk is that yeah what it is? Is i that think right? so yeah okay yeah um, um phil is over it <laughs> you lasted so long you but... did buddy you did so good all right i guess that means it's time for the lightning round and there were so many questions so i'm sorry if we don't get to all of them we're gonna have to pick and choose um and i know there were a lot of really good ones so i will do my best let's see hey you're hey you're typing <laughs> <laughs> typing with his nose Phil that's such that's such a Marcus thing to do so um could someone please award some points for bingo to uh Hufflepuff oh thank you Vinny I already did it thank you okay yeah. oh my gosh he is so wiggle wormy right now okay <laughs> Almost there, bud. Almost there. Oh my god, there's so many. Okay. <laughs> uh, I like this one. Megan, with an H, says, which is worth more, a galleon or a gold mark in the night court? <laughs> Probably a gold mark. That's I some, kind of think a that's gold some mark. ancient stuff over there. You know? I feel like it's like older and worth more. I wonder if there's any info on that online. I don't think so. Okay. Marcus, do you want to pick? What do you think? Galleon? Goldmark? I don't remember the goldmark. I don't know. Um, I feel like it has. That's kind of hard. I feel like it has higher value. No offense to Harry Potter, but I feel like... um, Sarah J. Moss probably did a better job. She probably. I'm going to say the gold mark is worth more. 
Oh, okay. So somebody on Reddit says that someone once did a deep dive on the Akatar currency and one gold mark is equivalent to $20. So if the author said that one galleon was equivalent to five pounds, the gold mark is worth more. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. This is interesting. Jenny Fire says, do you think there's a form of credit or checks you can write in the wizarding world? Or do you literally have to carry all currency with you? I mean, it's a really good question. Ooh, they act as if they really carry it. Yeah. Like you have to physically give it. That's interesting. You're like, do they ever yeah, come up so with everything like a, is a Everything's a cash basis. Yeah. It's like so old school. It's so Well, weird. because even there's that there's that whole thing about Sirius buying the broom, which is fraught with prop problems, but he supposedly bought the firebolt for Harry by having them take the money out of his account. Yeah. yeah so and that was guess, like one of the big questionable like mail events. order. Yeah. And like we know that um Harry did mail order to get his potions book when he yeah, was true. able to take potions. So So I guess um, there yeah, I guess there's some sort of there's some way to do it. Yeah. Can you imagine like shipping off those heavy coins in a catalog just to get <laughs> there's eight hundred galleons with yeah. the package? So, so think about that owl that delivered the paper to Hagrid, and he put five canuts in there. Like that, those are bronze right? coins. Like if that if that owl does multiple deliveries by the time he's flying back, he's got a pouch full of bronze coins that can't True. be fun. He's a swowl. Oh my god, Katie. <laughs> 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 um marguerite do you think that there's anything like 401ks or taxes within the wizarding world there's gotta be something i'm sure that there's taxes i don't know about a 401k though that i don't know i would say yes to taxes and i'm iffy on a 401k um so slughorn retired but like how did slughorn retire do you just like eventually amass enough wealth that you can Maybe they he got a retired. pension. Yeah, maybe he did get a pension. I could see like the Ministry of Magic and definitely Hogwarts having like pension. Or like yeah, some sort of, of some like kind. equivalent to but, social okay. security. <laughs> so like pensions for most people are like, okay, you, you work 30 years, you, you get a pension. But wizards live longer. So in order right. to get a pension in the wizarding world, you have to work 50 years because that would kind of suck. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, Marguerite again asks, how do you think the first and second wizarding wars contributed to the economy? Are they stuck in recession slash depression type situations compared to muggles and their own economic situation? I do think that like the first wizarding war did align with a world war. So like that one, everybody was probably on the same playing field in terms of recession, right? Yeah. But the second Wizarding War, yeah, I would assume that it did affect. I did oh, affect I definitely that over. Yeah, I definitely think you see an impact on the economy. Because um, somebody was actually asking earlier if there were homeless people in Harry Potter, and you don't really see any homeless people until the until Voldemort starts to rise to power and he actually gains power. Yeah, and then you know, they created a second class of citizen because they took the wands away from all the muggles or our half-bloods. Mm-hmm. And so they created this segment of society that was the wandless is how they referred to them or one of the Death Eaters did. And those so, were all the people on the run. I, yeah. 
Well, yeah. some of them were actually in Diagon Alley begging people for money or begging people about the yeah. whereabouts of their loved ones and stuff. So, and also in Half Blood Prince, like Diagon Alley is like kind of a ghost town. Mm-hmm. So definitely affecting. Yeah. I mean, the fact that like Ollivander and Fortescue are gone, so like those businesses are closed right now, and it just has this like quiet dark feel when you go there um so yeah it totally affected it totally affected the economy the first wizarding world war war was not during a world war that was fantastic beasts the first wizarding the our harry potter first wizarding war is in the 80s 70s 80s yeah you're right but that should technically be the first war so like we're really like in like the third or fourth to be honest i never even thought of that before oh katie plot holes (laughs) more plot holes um Lindsay asks how does newt scamander make money he doesn't have a government job he's not paid by a zoo that's a lot of animals to feed yeah i feel like he could totally sell some unicorn hairs or something something that he has that he could like get from the animals and sell for money yeah, that yeah, doesn't that, like, like doesn't harm them. them. Yeah, yeah. Plus, yeah, then every, exactly like he's got book sales eventually, but I mean, not at first. True. Oh, that's true. He he is like an author, and like um, but I was just thinking like um, Slughorn was talking about how much Acromantula venom was worth. Like, yeah, he has so many like animals that he takes care of that he could do like non harmful things that like their their scales may be worth money or this might be worth money and they shed scales and this happens and stuff like that so what about those uh yeah acme eggshells those are worth a fortune i mean he gave those to jacob and there's enough to start up a whole bakery gallons of gallons there's so many good questions i want to ask all of them but this episode is getting really long uh not that i mind but our puppy minds i know he's just really over it you good boy um marguerite again i like your questions today you have a lot of really good ones are there magical chimney sweepers or maintenance wizards or fees to keep flu network clean and orderly someone responded to this and said yes bert from mary poppins (laughs) (laughs) yes i saw that too that was literally what i was gonna say they're like uh mary poppins was definitely a witch and bert was definitely a flu maintenance (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um sure why not i mean i bet you that's part of the the network there's probably like a flu regulation something something at the ministry Mm -hmm. and i'm sure they have people that come and like my flu isn't working right and then they come and like magic whatever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what is the magical maintenance when they break into the break into the ministry they wear the blue or blue robes. I wonder oh, if yeah. like magical maintenance is just like a global thing. That's yeah, that's true. Magical my, maintenance. My yeah, my uh, my fireplace is on the fritz. <laughs> like, <laughs> Can you fix it? My flu has the flu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Vinny asks, "What would be your money making scheme in the Wizarding World?" This is probably my Slytherin side showing. Mm. I mean. <laughs> Do you know how much you could make if you just like set up a stand at a farmer's market and you just like totally made so much food from your garden? 
like way too much for you to eat you could just sell produce you just duplicate it it would all be good that day you would literally it would never be you'd never run out you could just continuously and you could just continuously sell all the zucchinis you want because you know i'm on a zucchini kick today zucchinis zucchinis and mammoth fur yeah i was thinking like i feel like the way that i would make money is taking advantage of muggles (laughs) yeah terrible like if you want to manipulate the economy you just earn a lot of muggle money and then like uh go get that converted into galleons (laughs) i don't know you could also what if (laughs) this is bad oh man you could like give goblin not goblin you could give um leprechaun gold to muggles like sell it to them as like something special and then it just disappears exactly exactly this is the kind of stuff i'm talking about doing it would be a ludo (laughs) (laughs) then he said like cryptocurrency yeah yeah earlier when you were saying that like the website had the like to the minute price i was like oh god please don't make a wizard currency cryptocurrency (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what would it be called somebody's made it what would it be called whiz currency <gasps> crypto whiz crypto whiz crypto whiz yeah i like that whiz coin <laughs> Amy whiz coin, yes. <laughs> yes okay like seriously guys there are so many good questions but we're gonna stop there and go on to announcing that Lily won bingo. Congratulations to Hufflepuff. Yeah, yeah. And was it, was it enough? Oh, wait, I put that wrong in the doc. That means <laughs> Slytherin won the house cup today. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> oh, only we were by so 20 close. points. Hufflepuff uh, was in second. <gasps> Gryffindor was only 20 behind them. Yeah. Us. Whatever. So you guys know this we didn't close. cheat because you know yeah. it was all close. Mm. Sure, that's how you mm-hmm. made it look yeah. like you mm-hmm. weren't cheating, is making mm-hmm. it look close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little too close. Slow the rent. Slow the rent. Yes, well done, Slytherin. Well done, Slytherin. However, Slytherin still won. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's uh, clapping. I know. Oh, that's, that's what he looks like right now. That's what I look like right now. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh. Wouldn't it be funny if you were in the same shirt? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, okay. Vinny always coming in clutch with the with the uh stickers. Right. I'm sad that I didn't share. I'm getting you know, next time, even though Marcus won't be on here, I'll just be sharing him anyway. Uh, okay, oh. who's ready for the fan story? I'm ready. I'm ready. This comes from Michelle. It's from April of 2021. She says, hi, guys. I'm a big fan and a pretty new listener. I wanted to take the time to thank you guys so much. I've been a huge Harry Potter nerd since about 2002. I'm 27. And most of my friends have seen the movies, but they aren't Potterheads. When I listen to you guys, I feel like I could fit right into your group. And I genuinely look forward to the episodes. A little trigger warning here. When I was younger, I tried to kill myself and was extremely depressed and still struggle with depression. The only things that make me happy when I'm extremely depressed are The Office, Seinfeld, Friends, and Harry Potter. You guys have become a part of that now. 
when I get to feeling really down and have bad thoughts, I will actually put on Swish and Flick. I'll re- I will write down episodes as I listen that make me laugh and are silly, and I go back to those when I'm down. You four have become such a happy light and such a stressful time for all of us, and I just wanted to thank you all so much and let you know that your podcast is actually changing my life. Thank you guys so much for making root beer come out of my nose at my desk at work like three times. <laughs> Love Michelle the Hufflepuff. Oh my goodness, Michelle. First of all, go Puffs. I'm sorry we didn't win the house cup today. We tried. Third um, or nothing. Third or nothing. No, we were second. Oh, you're right. Sorry. Second or nothing. <laughs> um, But I, first of all, I'm so glad that you are here. Yes. I'm so glad you are part of our community. and i i don't even have words because that like wow thank you it means a lot it means the world thank you so much i'm sorry about the root beer but also not sorry also, because I, i'm glad you laughed i, I love say. i love the office <laughs> yes love the office. i also love the office and i really enjoy friends and yeah, Seinfeld, friends too. honestly so thank you so much michelle and um I, yeah again just like thank you that I just I don't even have words I'm just choked up it's very sweet thank you I'm gonna tell a really bad joke now because that's what I do oh I yeah it. I love dead jokes all right what part of a play does Sirius Black hate the most the curtain call uh-huh. okay <laughs> <laughs> So bad. It's so it's so bad. That's good. That was actually a good joke. (laughs) So bad. It's bad, but like that was actually a good joke. That's a good joke. It's really bad. I mean, like compared to some of the other ones in that book, that was actually a good joke. I'm gonna tell one more. Is being a death eater a fun job? No, it's soul crushing. (laughs) A death eater? Oh, I said I'm a dementor. Ah, I screwed it up. (laughs) I was like. What? Like, oh what? man! That does not make sense. <laughs> Say it again. Uh, start over. We'll, Say we'll it pretend again. like we didn't hear it. Start yeah. over. Yeah, right, start over. Is being a dementor a fun job? No, it's soul crushing. Wow! <laughs> 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 I feel like I have to tell another one to make up for that, but I can't find one. Now. On that note, yeah, make sure that you follow me and Katie on social media. If you're so inclined, we are on Instagram at the Petrus family. Fillmore was here for the ride too. If you want to follow him on Instagram, his Instagram is Fillmore the cockapoo and he's pretty cool. Marcus, would you like to plug anything? Uh, actually, I would. Um, I am going to be working on the social media team for Dragon Con and we nice. are um, working doing the TikTok for there. Uh, very cool so if anybody would like to see some nerdy people in cosplay do funny skits or things like that on tiktok if you would go follow the dragon con official tiktok account awesome doing the tiktok that's right jenny (laughs) when is dragon con (laughs) so dragon con is labor day weekend okay okay very cool yeah yeah i'm always down to watch silly videos yeah, it starts Thursday and it runs through that Monday. And it's just, it's like a everything con. Like there's Harry Potter stuff there. They have a Yule Ball every year. That's really awesome. That's so fun. Um, But yeah, it'll just be a bunch of skits and funny videos of nerds. So doing we'll the have TikTok. to go to that one sometime. Doing the TikTok. Maybe we'll do next year. 
Bill is so soft. I can't stop petting him. He was loving whatever you were just doing. <laughs> like, loving it. I was petting his ears and his chin. He even, like, his gave little a little chinny smile. Chin. Like, yeah, yeah. His little chinny chin chin. So what Meg is up to is fawning over our pooch. Yes. Uh, honestly, I I have picked back up Throne of Glass. I'm trying to think. You should be careful. You might get cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Katie. I'm, I'm on the tandem read. Um, I think I'm enjoying doing the tandem read. However, it is like a lot to keep track of because... You're following so many different storylines and it's just like, I just want them all to be in one place so that I can just read the story and they're all there. Um, But other than that, I'm trying to think the last time I did an update on my reading, I think that I, I don't know if I told everybody that I read the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, but that book was so good. It was so good. So good. It, um, awesome bisexual representation it was a great book to close out pride month um so yeah that's kind of all i've been up to i feel boring yep um (laughs) you're not boring i don't really know if i have like any different update still reading crescent city i'm like actively reading crescent city too as i run every time and she's gonna start throne of glass (sighs) <sighs> so daunting <laughs> uh, <laughs> i feel the same way katie yeah do it, do it. i so, feel the same way so daunting. okay so uh are you done katie i don't want to stop stomp on your stuff yeah i don't i mean still just running and listening to books that's really my life right now so yeah you could go ahead so i saw your instagram story so you're doing two 45 minute runs and then you also are doing a three mile run to get ready for dopey yeah it's like every week changes so you always have two 45 minutes at least for a while and then your mileage on the weekend will change and then eventually i'll have to be doing like consecutive runs so um, it's kind of weird because you said it said two 45 minute runs but then it said three miles so is it is it saying you have to do the 45 minute run has to be a three mile run Mm-hmm. No, like I do, like, for example, Tuesday will be 45 minutes, Thursday will be 45 minutes, and then Saturday will be a three-mile run. So it's like, That's however far that... you can run in 45 minutes, it doesn't, there's no, like, say. yeah, yeah, there's no, like, 45-minute run, you did three and a half miles. I know, like, so it's like a little bit of a break. Crap. I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, the next week is, like, five and a half is my long, and then the one after that, I think it might be seven. And then she has to do some simulation weekends where you do like, you run four days in a row, different increments. And then you like gradually build it up, build it up. I think when is your first like practice half? September. Okay. So she's going to do a practice half in September and then do a half in November for run Disney. Yeah. But then she also simulates, she does a dopey simulation in December, don't you? Pretty much, almost. It's like you go to 23 miles, not 26, right? Something like that, yeah. So like, yeah, and you you do a simulation in December of the weekend, pretty much. So you like do four days in a row and your last day is 23 miles. I can't fathom it right now, but I 
I'm gonna. I signed up. I have to do it. <laughs> I, I gotta do it. <laughs> You'll get there, Katie. I have faith in you. I'm really yeah. impressed that a you're doing this and you're doing it in Florida heat with the humidity. Like, oof. I keep telling yeah, you though, like, imagine you. how good it's gonna feel oof. when the humidity breaks, especially like actual dopies in January. It's gonna feel so good. Yeah, like the hardest part is like right now. I'm like, don't push yourself too much. It's okay to go slow because you even doing that by the time you get to cooler weather like you will automatically have a nicer pace yeah it's just yeah. about getting out there and moving your legs really I don't know as grandpa can I say I'm very proud of you oh thank you <laughs> um <laughs> thank you uh, I've been reading a book series called the tarot sequence by Katie Edwards um it's really good it is the first so like Harry Potter, I've read over and over again, and then y'all introduced me to Sarah J. Moss, and so <laughs> I read those that series over and over again, and then now I am obsessed with the tarot sequence. It is like a magical world. It's a different way of looking at magic. It's very interesting, and I have I'm now on my like third reread through of the books. I, That's awesome. I just yeah, I just love. The, this world so just to give you a little bit of a spoiler the concept of magic here is based on tarot cards and there are like 20 something houses and each house has like special abilities that are common to that house based on the tarot card that their house is associated with so like the main character is um, associated with the sun uh, tarot card and so his house is known as the Sun Throne. And so they have special abilities associated with that. And it's just, it's really interesting. And then the other thing about the way their magic works is they use like sigil magic and stuff. I don't know. It's just really good. And I love That's it. Cool. And the author, so I was telling my friends about it and um, I was like, I don't know how we got on the topic. And they're like, uh, Marcus, the author is going to be at Dragon Con. And I was like, what? oh man. So like the author had already like messaged me. And so I reached out to him and I was like, can we like meet up at dragon con so i might get him to do like a little blurb on the tiktok so that's i'm really excited so about cool it. yeah that's yeah. amazing dreams do come true right <laughs> <laughs> oh man now you got a dog butt in your face yeah anyway <laughs> marcus this was First of all, a genius idea. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on here with us and talking about all these really weird wizarding things that we will never have the answer to. But, you know, I but just have to, to accept. Speculate. Yeah, I have to accept some head right. cannons and oh, just yeah. wonder forever about other things. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you guys for having me. Anytime. You're welcome back. Yeah, Gramps. Anytime. Tiffany is off the pod. It's now the Marcus, Megan, and Katie show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Tiffany can guest host maybe sometime down the road. Oh my god. <laughs> Whoa. I'm scared of Tiffany, so I'm not going to get on board with that. I do not condone that. Jenny says we're the okay show. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Tiffany's grounded. Tiffany's yeah. grounded. Oh no. She's grounded. How the turntables. You mean how the tables have turned? No, it's an office reference. 
Oh, Tiffany would appreciate it. I like The Office. I, I just haven't watched it. I long. appreciate it, Katie. <laughs> Thank you. And you know what? Our fan story person, Michelle, would appreciate it. She likes The Office. You make it sound like I've never watched The Office. I just forgot about well, one. Clearly, you haven't. <laughs> you know what? That concludes this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And don't let Katie get you down. <gasps> <laughs> We didn't say what this episode was for. Oh, yeah. Shoot, now you need right. to redo okay. it. I this mean, that's staying, but. It's for trust fun kids. <laughs> 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 and. Uh, what other weird thing we talk about today? I mean, it was a lot of weird things. Hmm. Um, trust fun kids and well-behaved pooches. Aw, you were a well-behaved poochie. Yeah. Good job, Phil. Good job, Phil, Phil. All right. Now that concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And don't let the muggles get you down. Or Katie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. uh, I should have been for gallons of galleons. Oh. And like, I don't <laughs> like to think that I have a customer service voice but i totally do i totally oh do. everybody does everybody yeah. does. especially like this- if you're a millennial you've worked in some job where you were like trained 100 yeah. percent that you had to like sound Disney. so sickly sweet yeah oh, my god <laughs> yeah do your customer service voice marcus come on i'll do mine if you do hey. yours <laughs> hey this is marcus how can i help you oh my god that is different <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my Starbucks spiel. Okay, hold on. Do you remember? Hi, thanks for choosing our Starbucks. What can I get started for you today? (laughs) Did I sound like a robot? (laughs) You just sounded pleasant. Okay, Katie, it's your turn. I don't know what I, I guess I just answer the phone. I'll be like, hi, this is Katie. You do, yep. (laughs) You have like a higher inflection at the end of your word. All of us higher up our voices. It's always higher. Next time, should I lower my voice instead of going high? Be like, hi, this is Katie. Stop, this is Katie. <laughs> hi, this is Katie. Hi, hi right. Priest Marcus. How can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll start talking like the like the Slavs in Zootopia. Yeah. Welcome. Do your best Vader. To... Do your best Darth Vader impression. Oh God. Oh man. <laughs> Luke, uh, I am your father. Luke, I can't do it. Paul, can do it. I can't do it. You do the breathing, guys. <sighs> Marcus Smith <laughs> Phil just looks at you and wags his tail. He loves you so much. Phil, I love you too. Can you give me a tissue? I have an issue. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.